Magic.me is the world's greatest school for magic, meditation, and mysticism. You can learn everything there from chaos magic to hermeticism to meditation to how to supercharge your finances and take absolute control of your destiny. In short, you get all of the tools you need to turn chaos into beautiful, scintillating order and master your life. It's incredible. You've probably heard me talk about it on the show quite a lot, but check it out. It's growing fast. And I just want to say, if you're confused about where to start, because I have so many courses there, the Adept Initiative is the place to go. The Adept Initiative is the flagship course on magic.me, and it contains everything you need to know to master the most profound ancient techniques of changing your consciousness and the most modern and cutting edge tools and systems for absolutely turning your life into a masterpiece. You are really going to dig it. Go check it out, and I will see you in class. It's magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E. Tell us who you are, Mark. Are we starting already? This is this is going to be the spooky Halloween episode because this is going to come out oh, Monday, shit. which I think is technically Halloween, right? Twenty six. I think that's Halloween day. It's the thirty thirtieth. It'll come out the thirtieth. Uh, right. We got, two, we got two days to enjoy the spookiness. Yeah. So this will be this is the super spooky, spooktacular, too spooky for me <laughs> episode. It's like the, the Halloween spooktacular. It's a, yeah. It's like the, it's like. Uh, have you ever seen the Star Wars uh, holiday special? Of course, it's fantastic. It's a it's a masterpiece of oh, trash. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's so it's so awful. Um, and it has uh, it has like all these like um, like seventies like daytime TV stars in it, like Bay Arthur. Yeah, and things no, like that. Great. Yeah, <laughs> and isn't Art Carney in it? Yeah, Art Carney is in it. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like that. Or it's like, no, the, the, the most insane part of that is, and now I don't even remember why. God damn, this has been happening to me recently. Um, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> uh, because, yeah, yeah. Um, this is the holiday episode. This is the ultra, oh, right, right, ultra yeah. holiday special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, oh, oh, right. Okay. Yeah, thank you. So I was going to say that much like 70s daytime television, cheesy shows with Art Carney in them and Bay Arthur. Ultra culture is going to have a holiday episode, but only for Halloween, because that's the only one that really matters. It's true. I'm ex- and I'm excited that uh, I'm excited that I get to be that uh, the, yes. the the art carny. Uh, You're the art carny of, of ultra culture. Yes. <laughs> Do you remember the part in that show where like Chewbacca's grandpa or something like that puts on a VR helmet? And Jefferson yeah, Starship, whole... there's like a Jefferson Starship <laughs> stripper routine going on in it. And it, he, it's just like, this, this goes on for like 10 minutes of him being like, oh, 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 oh. Yeah. And he's just there this? just watching this awful. And uh, I mean, there's a whole Chewbacca family and Chewbacca's got kids and I forget their names, but they're just the whole family's thoroughly unsettling. It's just it's it's this nightmare fuel. It's yeah. The kid uh, looks really <laughs> weird. Like he looks like something that's gonna run out of run at you from the New Jersey Pine Barrens at three in the morning. Yeah, yeah. With absolutely. red glowing eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was the deal with that? It like this was like it came out like in nineteen seventy-eight on like I don't even know, ABC or NBC or something like that. And it and was like just, 
It was such a failure. That it they was, were like, well, this will never see the light of day again. But, but one person recorded it. It's like, but it's, wait, <laughs> it's really only one, one record. Only one person recorded it. I think that's the, I think that's the, the urban legend is that so someone funny. recorded it. And from that one recording, it, it just, it never died. That's so, there's so many things like this where it's like in, in the olden days where things could just be lost if they were uh not not yeah. uh not preserved um that's kind of what i do it's part of the fun of what i'm doing so tell us about yourself mark because i guess we are starting a podcast <laughs> what a natural you, segue i mean you, we could talk about better. we could talk about art carney uh but uh go 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 on uh i mean i i, I put out books someday i hope to put out jason louve books but you know i'm That'd not that fancy yet <laughs> one of these days it's gonna happen that might be more like more of like a horseshoe theory type thing or yeah <laughs> we're, we're talking fringe now man yeah 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 um that's pretty funny so how long have you been uh, yeah, i mean go on no by by all means uh this is this is your show this is your world i'm just um i'm you know i'm one of your many avatars uh <laughs> Well, we, we've known each other for like 10 years or something at this point, which is fucky. Yeah, it, it has been. We've met uh, at, at um, least, right? Which is pretty wild. We've always, we've always been uh, uh, skirting this dance, and, uh, and here we, we finally made it happen. Yes, I think we met at Cl a Clive Barker art show. We did. At Century indeed. Guild. Yeah, at Century Guild Gallery exhibition. Uh, and uh, it was... It was Love at first Scientology <laughs> joke, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. Um, yeah, now that I don't live in LA, I get to I get to talk about Scientology way less, which is probably good, which is probably good. <laughs> There's a lot of things. Now that I've left LA, um, maybe you have this experience as well, just being like slightly removed from it. There's a lot of things that I just think about and I'm just like, what the hell? Like, what was Why I thinking, Why doing? Why did this seem normal at the time? Like, yeah. <laughs> there's That's so much why, stuff uh, like Matheson, that. Matheson called LA the creeping terror because it is, it just, you know, it just sort of overtakes you and invades every aspect of your personality. Did it's you? the strangest. I love living just on the outskirts because yeah. I, I, you know, I'll, I'll have meetings in LA and I can just feel it sort of washing off of me the further away I get. Yeah, that, that's uh, real. So it's nice to be able to access it when I need to, but um, it's also nice not to have to to dwell there and become an LA person. Yeah. So how long have you been, you've been doing? How long have you been doing your current company? Uh, we started Encyclopocalypse in 2018. I think was the first first thing uh, I put out was a, an audiobook version of my Hellraiser novella. Uh, and uh, it was just like a test, you know, I thought I'd learned how to do it from, uh, digitizing Clive's library. And, uh, and I thought, Hey, I think I can do this myself. Um, I was always trying to get other people uh, as part of Clive's catalog. Cause I thought, well, you know, we have his books, but we could have all these other revenue streams if we brought other people's books on and made them part of, you know, like Seraphim publishing or something. And, he never wanted to do that because he yeah. was exclusively in the in the Barker business. Uh, so eventually, I just said, "Well, uh, how about I do it instead?" Uh, and so I I started with um, with my Hellraiser, my little Hellraiser tome, 
Uh, and from there, uh, it went, it did well enough that I, that, uh, I just kept reaching out to other authors I knew and, uh, and books that I loved that had long been out of print or never had audiobook versions and, and, uh, really just made a library out of sheer laziness because I didn't have the time to read them. And I thought, Hey, I can listen to them if I make them myself. And, uh, and I did. Wow. So 200 books is a freaking lot in five years. Are you just yeah, last time we talked, wow. I was still like hell? you mentioned, I was still trying to figure out how to, how to work, uh, you know, my cloud lifter. Yeah. I wasn't loud enough and I, I needed that phantom power. Just getting and started. That extra boost. Yeah. 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 And now, and now it's, now we're in that double digits, triple digits. What, what, what are numbers? What, uh, what are numbers? What are magnets? <laughs> it's a deeper question. Ma- magnets. How do they, they work? Magic? <laughs> <laughs> they might How be magic. <laughs> um, ICP reference in the first 15. We yes. made it. Um, did you know that there is an, this is, will be a particular interest to people who listen to the show. Did you know that there's an insane clown posse role playing game? No. Okay. Is it uh, digital? Is no. it, uh, what are we, what it's are we talking book, about? Here? It's a book and it's almost impossible to find. It's called Morton's List. And it gets passed around at like a gathering of the juggalo events. And it is this insane, it is this insane, no, but, um, it's like almost impossible to get a copy of it, but there's like a, a a short version floating around on the internet that you can find. But basically what this is, is it's not actually related to ICP. Um, but the, the juggalos love it. It's like you roll dice (laughs) and it, tells you to do various random activities to cause chaos in the real world. Okay. So there's ones that are like, um, build a bridge out of popsicle sticks. And then there's ones that are like sneak into the Pentagon and uh, (laughs) (laughs) things like that. And it's just like this total. And the only rules in Morton's list are you cannot, uh, you cannot wipe off violent J, uh, or shaggy two dubs makeup. Yes, you definitely cannot do that. It's the two rules. You can't. You can't become. You can't be stepping like that. Um, But yeah, it's like it's it's like this this amazing like chaos magic, but like with this like meth head vibe all over it. Uh, And I really want to get a copy of it. Anyways, total tangent. Do they have a tarot deck too? That'd be pretty. They should if they don't. Yeah, everyone's got a tarot deck, but me now. (laughs) Juggalo. Yeah, we need an encyclopocalypse tarot deck. There you go. We should. uh, we should do an uh, ultra culture apocalypse uh, collab deck. There you go. Um, so, <laughs> do you just you just do audio versions of books? No, no, we do uh, we do all kinds. And that's why this this book I'm holding is one of our very own. Uh, we do what we 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 started with the audio when you and I were first talking, uh, and and you were giving me audio advice. Uh, we started doing the audio, and then uh, you know. When, oh, that's dope. That's dope. When all kinds of crazy shit when all, when the when the world uh, fell apart, we uh, we ended up doing <laughs> books. Uh, we did, yeah, we did physical books. So now we do physical books, ebooks. Uh, we even have a couple. I got these over here. Yeah, <laughs> got uh, we got graphic novels. Wow. We just did. Uh, we just released Rapsus a new Sado. one called Tech. Uh, yeah, yeah. He uh, he works at uh, Alamo. Um, you know, draft house, draft house theaters. Yeah. Alamo is, is the one. I always forget which one's the chain and which one's the which one's the kingdom. The, the rent a car. The rent a car. Yeah, uh, yeah. Alamo <laughs> draft house in uh, in in Austin. 
so he's in charge of programming at Draft House Theater. Wait, is that, that, um, that is that that's like a is that a national chain? Yeah, it is. Okay, all right. It is. It's he just went guy. on like a like a like a fifteen or twenty theater tour uh, at all the different draft houses across the states, uh, selling and signing books. Oh, nice. It was cool. Uh, and we just uh, released Tech by Vincenzo Natali, who uh, who directed Cube and Splice and oh, nice. uh, an episode of Cabinet of Horrors and stuff. He wrote and, uh, and illustrated a graphic novel. It's his COVID project as well. Uh, and we published that. That's awesome. So it's been fun, man. It's so been wild. What's, um, you know, I was um, talking to Christina Ward, the editor at Feral House, and she was saying that the big trend right now is escapism. Like people want to escape, which I completely sympathize with. Um, sure. Is that, are you kind I of seeing that, that too? Like people are kind of like flocking yeah, to fantasy I mean, worlds. Yeah, for sure. And I, and like you, I think I can understand why they would. Uh, uh, it, I, I have not been into escapism lately. I'm, I've been the exact opposite. I think I get all my escapism out in my work now okay. and, uh, and my, my personal life is now very much, um, I don't know. It's, uh, I guess it's a different kind of escape. Uh, but I, w- what's very interesting is the timing, uh, with which you've, uh, you know, we've reconnected because I was listening to, uh, your episode. I was listening to some of the episodes to catch up. Um, cause I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be the only one here just talking about publishing and, and boring shit. And, uh, some of your episodes, man, holy shit. Uh, like I listened to, what was her name? Jessa. Um, Oh, Jessa Reed. Yes. Yeah. That was a great one. What a deep dive, dude. Yeah. What? Yeah. Whenever I can do the episodes in person, that was an in-person one. Whenever I can do them in person, it's just way better. But I mean, it's awesome to be able to do it like this too on zoom, but, but, uh, in person is always, is always better, but not always possible. Yeah. Yeah. We're not all lucky enough to not be in California. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Texas has its own uh, issues, just like everywhere. But yeah, sure. Yeah, no, it's 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 interesting being uh, an American these days. Yeah, it's a special it's a special time. <laughs> I was listening to that other one. Um, now I've forgotten it because I was I was uh, losing consciousness. Um, but I was I was going through a lot of the oh like the Kundalini stuff um, and your Q and A uh, little short videos um, from some of your classes, all that stuff was uh, was kind of blowing my mind. Cool. Um, but uh, I think I mean it's you know there's always going to be the the sort of um, the popular stuff which is not really what like uh, I I wouldn't peg you as a as a as an overt Marvel fan you know. You don't uh, strike me as as a guy that puts on uh, the Iron Man trilogy on a loop. You'd be surprised. I mean, like, I definitely will like dog the like like more. So there's two there's two Marvels. Okay, there's like in my mind, uh-huh. there's like the Marvel that is actually just really entertaining movies and comics and very nostalgic, and then there's like the Marvel that is a symbol for everything that is bad. And wrong right. with millennials <laughs> <laughs> and neoliberalism, <laughs> and yeah, it's just yeah, like yeah. and like and that's like the Funko Pop Marvel, and right. uh, that is just oh, this awful Funko Pop culture, man. That's a whole oh yeah no. So, but no, I actually did. I I once marathoned the entire MCU uh, uh, series all the way up to uh, Endgame. I think. 
That's a gauntlet. It, it is that indeed is a gauntlet, gauntlet, Mark. I see what you did there. Yes. Uh, I come with the jokes, you know? I only watch it for, I only watch those movies for that raccoon, though. Rocket Raccoon. Rocket Raccoon. He's everything to me. <laughs> I James care less about the rest. life into the MCU. <laughs> yes. um, you know, there, there is so, I mean, it's kind of like that. There's the, there's the Marvel version uh, of, you know, horror, uh, which is not really my bag. Um, and it always gets, it always makes a shitload of money, but it seems, it seems like people, like those are the movies that people just love to hate. Like the like the new Exorcist movies, uh, you know they're 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 doing a whole trilogy. It's going to happen. Uh, a and it's a new gonna trilogy. Make, yeah, yeah. The new one just came out. The first of the trilogy just came good? out, and it, uh, it, I haven't seen it, but it's the reviews are like you know, uh, it's probably some of the worst you'll ever read on the internet. <laughs> but it's making a kajillion dollars. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> but I, I feel like, you know, there's, there, there always have to be those franchises where people will just continue to shell out money, but all they really want to do is bitch about it. Yeah. Um, That's kind I'm of, that, big, yeah. Yeah. And I'm a big, um, and this is going to sound cliche, uh, and uh, it's, a, it's a total cinema bro comment, but I'm a huge A24 fan. Okay. I think the stuff that A24 is making is fucking terrifying. Uh, that that, is, that is a huge cinema bro comment. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. Yeah. I'm like, I, you know, I, I'm nothing if not at least a self-aware cinema bro. Very good. Uh, so you, you think they're uh, doing really good stuff, though? I think they're doing great stuff. Um, God, man. I didn't know we were going to have a, a special guest. My cat's normally had like wants nothing to do with me. Uh, she <laughs> never pays attention to me. She never even comes into this room. And then, of course, we start doing this and she's just screaming. They're very attracted um, to attention, I've noticed. Is that what it is? I is think that so. Because yeah. she knows now that like I could be paying attention to her, but I'm paying attention to you instead. Well, the attention is where the food is. So if she's dependent uh, for you on food and your attention is on something that's not her, then that's potentially a life-threatening situation. <laughs> that's at least what I concluded with my, uh, with my pets. She's going to say, uh, see, see that she's trying to, that's her little, sometimes she'll, she'll try to open that window and she can do a view spot. This is thrilling pod, uh, uh you know, podcasting oh, yeah. with no, with no visuals, by the way. Um, hereditary man. Hereditary oh, scared the shit out of me. Man, fucking hereditary. Let's talk about hereditary. <laughs> it's a I felt vi movie. I literally like I literally felt violated by that movie. Like in a bad yes. way. In a bad way. Yes. I was like it was like yes. somebody like keyed my car. I like walked out of that movie like fuck you whoever made this movie. Just fuck you. Like there's a lot of stuff about that movie. I think and part of that fuck you is like he really hit on like levels of family trauma that like have not been in movies before outside of maybe like mm -hmm. Rosemary's baby or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Or Carrie. And I was just like, yeah. So like, I, okay. Like props to you. This movie is amazingly, it just amazingly well done, but fuck mm -hmm. you still. <laughs> 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 and also like put, put, putting, putting real demons into movies is ex extremely irresponsible in my well, opinion. <laughs> yeah and, cause, and yeah and then and then all these freaking satanist kids get really like then they start like making it their thing just like they did with the witch 
And if I have to hear yeah, one yeah. more freaking person talk about living deliciously. Wouldst thou like the taste of butter? Wouldst thou... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a witch fan, which is funny. It's the new uh, hot topic. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, that's the, that's the thing about hereditary, man, is it really gets under your friggin' skin. It does. It's, a, it's an ugly, ugly movie. Uh, and it is, it's, I think the best movie and the scariest movie that I will never recommend to anybody. <laughs> That's a good description. <laughs> it's, it's of not, it. it's not fun. You know, it no. really, it makes you a worse person. <laughs> uh, did you see that that dude's uh, new movie? Bo is afraid. No, I haven't uh, heard of it. What is also it? horrifying. Uh, again, it's the whole thing is a, is a, it's, it's one and it's three hours long. It's a three hour long movie about mommy issues. Uh, and the entire oh, nice. film is this guy, Bo, Joaquin Phoenix, his mom dies and he has to get to her funeral. And the entire movie is him. It's like Sullivan's travel. He's, he's trying to get to the funeral. And, and no matter what he does, no matter how hard he tries, he cannot get there. And family members just keep calling him going We're really disappointed in you. And it's so, it's, it's a comedy, but it's just as, uh, I mean, it's three, it's longer than hereditary. So the dread factor, you know, is just by uh, sheer, uh, you know, per screen average. It's just, it's so much worse. It's so much tenser. It's worse. Hereditary. It's worse. It's worse. Wait, what the it's hell? Worse. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's worse. Oh, a movie no. about you know going to going uh going back home to 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 see your dead mother and it's just it's monstrous can you hear that by the way are no. you hearing the uh -uh. um okay uh -uh. my whatsapp is going off on my computer and i want to make sure it's not recording are you, are you doing business uh, i hit are you doing business I hit in dnd uh how'd you know it's uh <laughs> <laughs> it's where it's where all the it's where all the business is it's where you, you can't get enough Bright night in India. Nice. Are you they are you making getting your books made in China? By the way, how are mm -hmm. you how are you having them produced? It's all print on demand right now. Okay. Offset printings for the birds, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you see printed as they order them? Do you see the industry publishing industry adopting that finally, or is it still eventually? Yeah, it's just like so. the thing about print on demand. Like like print on demand became feasible in what like two thousand four, two thousand five. Yeah. And I did, a, <laughs> it's been a while. you know, and it's just like, it makes sense. It's environment. It's like infinitely better for the environment because you don't end up with whole warehouses full of books that you have to destroy. Right. Just sitting there rotting or, and then people don't have to, you know, I'm, I don't know. Did you ever work at a bookstore? No. So uh, I used to, you know, like almost lived at them. Uh, there you go. would ride my bike there and just stay there, you know, all day long. So do you know about book stripping? Um, enlighten me. Yeah. So this is something, this is something we used to have to do in the book business, which, um, uh, I worked in bookstores as a, as a teen, all throughout my, my high school and junior high, um, mass, mass market paperbacks, mm -hmm. um, are worth less to the publisher than the amount of money it takes to mail them back. So right. instead of mailing, if you have to do returns for them, you strip them, which is just, you rip the cover off and mail the cover back. And then it's illegal. Oh. And then it's illegal to give the remain the leftover book to a library or a school or anything like that. It legally has to be thrown out, and it can't be resold or donated. It's utterly wow. wasteful and destructive and horrible. 
and and you know and print uh, on demand solves that and it print on demand solves that and and waste and destruction are you know part of the human condition yes uh, <laughs> so maybe that's the, why waste you know, and destruction will find a way but uh absolutely that is, yeah as but Jeff Goldblum once said it just boggles my mind that for and and it's economically more feasible it boggles my mind that the publishing industry has not gone completely to print on demand yeah it's weird. they they do things to try i don't mean i don't know like i don't know what big big publishing you know uh is said in the same manner of, of big tobacco uh whatever i don't know what their um motivation is i don't know who's still trying to finance offset printing i don't know who's you know who's whispering in their ear that uh that the, the print on demand model uh is not the way to go uh because it, it, there seems to be a um a, a, a plan to try to stop uh independent publishers who do print on demand from getting into bookstores uh and every time we we have found a way to make it into a barnes and noble barnes and noble will uh suddenly change the uh the way that you're allowed to submit books, uh, and it, it it just keeps happening. It's it's crazy. Wow, uh, why? One, that's that, one, that is crazy. I don't know. You think one that's employee, a concerted, intentional effort? Yes, and I don't know why. One employee, like we had a buyer. Uh, I mean, I'm not even sure if I'm supposed to say this. Like, is it is it going to cause more problems? Uh, we had a, a a person who was buying for us at a at a Barnes and Noble. Uh, they were a big fan. They kept stocking our books and posting it. And uh, they got chastised. They got uh, they got in trouble for for uh, buying our books uh, because they were print on demand. Why? Uh, like what? I don't know. I have no idea. That's uh, and really... every time we find like the oh we can do it this way now we'll go we'll get in there and we're you know we're back in bookstores for uh, a couple of months and then they're like oh no this now we're shutting this this wing down and we're back to finding another way in. It's really strange. that's really frustrating. I mean, and it's like the book business has just been like a fucky McFuckerton wasteland since as long as I've been <laughs> aware of it. I don't even know what that means. It's just words put together. Um, but but it, you uh, know, it's a, it's a it, feeling. It communicates a feeling. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there was the consolidation in the '90s. There was the Hachette loss, uh, lawsuit with Amazon. Uh, there was Amazon destroying retail. I mean, it's it's the book business is insane. And the only people who work in it are like, you know, just literally mentally ill people who have martyr complexes. <laughs> so like, <laughs> <laughs> which is another way I of mean, saying they do it for the love of it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes. A.K.A. So, that's great. <laughs> but, but it's crazy. It's just like, it's like just one of these obvious things. It's like not to make it political, but you know, it's like people will talk about like the genius of capitalism, how like the market will always create a solution. And it's like, that would be great if it was true, but it doesn't. It's like constantly just creating like bureaucratic paperwork. Fuck up. Like yeah. somebody has Lovely to words keep and their job. Sure. Yeah. Um, man, it's just like one of these... Yeah, print on demand is just such an obvious technological advance over offset printing. And that I guess allows them to gatekeep and it allows them to maintain some type of like class position where they're like, we're the real publishing and you're not. Right. Yeah. So it, you it, can't afford, you know, to print 500,000 books like we can. Right. So we win. Maybe that's maybe it's just as simple as that. Maybe you're totally right. Yeah. That, that sort of gatekeeping by volume. 
Well, also, it, just thinking about it, it means that if they did open um, print on demand to uh, big box stores, that would mean that they would remove the barrier to entry to the publishing industry entirely. Right. So anybody could uh, put books into Barnes and Noble like they were blogging, which, if yeah. it was well curated, could be awesome. But yeah, that's absolutely. a completely different industry now. It's like it could also be terrible because now it's like kind of like printed material. Printed material is the last thing that's untouched by the corrosion of the internet, and so <laughs> it, it, it could also totally destroy that. It's like as you know, it's like everyone thinks they can write a book, you know, because it's like they write emails. Yeah. So oh we, yeah, for sure we could just be. I write all day long. Yeah, exactly. I can totally write a book. So. Um, yeah, that was that was beautiful though. Printed material uh, is the last thing untouched by the corrosion of the internet. <laughs> Sadly, um, <laughs> but if you've done two hundred, go ahead. I was in a movie. Uh, a friend of mine made a uh, short film uh, called "Billy Kills the Internet," uh, and <laughs> give a shout out to Billy Kills the Internet. I play the internet. Nice. Uh, and spoiler alert: I do die. So, oh. um, but it, 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 it's, it's, it's one of my favorite, um, experiences was, uh, uh, being with the director's name's Lon and he, uh, we, we were at, uh, um, an award show, the film threat award show and he won best short and, uh, and he was, I mean, he genuinely believes in the message. It's, it's a hilarious, uh, film, you know, uh, told with 100%, uh, conviction. And, uh, and he, he, he had no idea he was going to win. He got up there, he'd had a couple of drinks and he's normally a really funny, gregarious guy. And he starts talking and, and there, there was no, there was no irony. There was, <laughs> there was no, you know, patois or, uh, um, there were no bone mows. It was just, he gets up there and he goes, we got to shut it off guys. We have to, we have to stop it. Wow. <laughs> and he just kept saying it. And then they played him off. <laughs> That's amazing. It was like a hero moment. He's like, really, really? I'm not kidding. We have to stop. <laughs> it was like Tom Atkins at the end of Halloween 3. Turn uh, it off! Yeah, yeah. Just screaming. See, there's your Halloween reference. There now you we're, go. Now we're a holiday. Now we're a holiday episode. Well, um, yeah. I mean, well, if you've done 200 audiobooks in five years, that must mean there's like a lot of uh, uh, interest. I mean, it's going well for you. People are it's still reading. Well, so people are still yeah. reading. Okay. Absolutely. So, so answer me this question because I'm always trying to figure this out. Like the, 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 you know, received wisdom was and is always that people's attention spans have been ruined because of first it was TV and now it's the internet. They used to say right. about MTV, now it's the internet. I'm sure it was radio phones. before that. Yeah, radio exactly. ruined probably civilization. Yeah, probably novels. <laughs> novels probably they said probably right. Yeah. What is brains. this? I'm sure What's they did actually. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is for housewives, you know? So, um, fuck was I saying? God damn it. You can always tell how old someone is by what they think is what ruined the world. Like that's, yes. I was talking to a dude who was, it was, uh, he was he, so old that he was of the mindset that it wasn't radio. It wasn't television. It was air travel. Air travel is what ruined well, the you can, world. Well, I mean, being that air travel is what spreads pandemics, I mean, that's, uh, that could, there's he might a, have a point there. to be made. Yeah. Um, but you're asking about uh, attention span. Oh, right. Okay. So thank you. Thank you. Um, so, but I don't think that, I, I don't think that, that <laughs> right. Exactly. Ironically, very good. Yeah. What, what were they talking about? Um, 
There you go. There you have it. So present company included, meaning myself. Um, the the received wisdom is that all, always that technology has lowered people's attention spans, but I don't think that that's true. Um, and I think that that's proven not to be true by the fact that people love three hour podcasts. They love yeah. long ass like like people will sit and watch like a five hour YouTube that like like a video essay that a twelve year old yeah. did about Call of Duty. You know, <laughs> I'll watch stuff like that. It's just like, look, like I got to I got to shave. I got to cook. I got to do the dishes. I need some shit to listen to. You know what I mean? It's yeah, just like, OK, you want to get invested in. You want to talk about the, you know, the deep, you know, gender, gender uh, politics of Metal Gear Solid for two hours. Great. Go, go for Sign it. Sign me up. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. I mean, if Red Letter Media can be one of the most popular channels on YouTube. Uh, you and go. yeah, I don't think I don't think they make videos under three hours long. So and are, people are always, oh, you got to watch their, you know, their thesis on the new uh, Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's just I'm like, sure no, I don't, hilarious. I don't, I don't. But people love it, you know, and it's it's like I a love, whole new yeah. thing. People love long, <laughs> long stuff. So I was going to ask you, it's like, okay, so it's like this whole, here's my question to you. And I think that you're, you're better poised to answer this than perhaps anyone else I know. Um, fiction writing. You know, the, the classic, what people have said is, oh, people don't have the attention span for it anymore. That's thing, a thing of the past. Have, do you see a model that's possible for writing fiction and people will consume it like podcasts, things like that, where all of a sudden, like, you know, they will re-embrace it. And and uh, and I don't mean like diehard fans from the past. I mean, new new people. Yeah, absolutely. I think and, uh, I think it might it might just be a matter of the way it's packaged, you know. Uh, I think it. I think that's really the only thing that changes uh, is people want story. It's just the way that you present it to them. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. Is that, so, is that a is that a, is that a decent answer? Yeah. What What would examples be of things that you've seen work? Uh, well, okay. Here's a, a, a perfect example is actually uh, a quote from R.L. Stein. I, I was on a panel with him once at a, at a horror convention and, uh, and he talked about his process and how it was, uh, it was heavily research involved. He didn't just sit down one day and go, I think I'm going to write some, uh, horror books for kids. He researched, uh, the marketplace. He researched the language. Uh, he read books, um, you know, that were, uh, geared toward, uh, the, the exact demographic he was going for. Uh, he went into this very in-depth discussion about, uh, or description of how, how much, you know, he put into making books, uh, accessible to young readers because the entire panel was, was kind of, uh, uh, geared around that this very question, which is, you know, how do we keep people engaged? How do we keep people wanting to read? And uh, R.L. Stein uh, just brilliantly said, "Just write better books." Because <laughs> uh, all these, you know, there's all these yeah. people on stage going, "Well, kids aren't buying my books." Uh, Maybe they're not good. <laughs> you know, what's the just and and he just like you know destroyed the whole panel by just saying write, write better books man that was it it's the it's okay. the only and so you, that's your answer that like there, you have no that's my answer. you don't think there's a format tweak needed of going to audio or anything like no, that no i don't think so just write that just I mean, write good stuff do, 
Yeah, right. Good stuff. And you can do, you can make, um, we did, we did one uh, with this, uh, this author, Dinah Manoff. She was in Greece. Um, she's in a documentary I'm producing right now. Uh, and she wrote this book that didn't have an audio book. And I, I approached her uh, after we interviewed her and said, Hey, what do you think of, uh, what do you think of uh, doing an audio version of the book? And she pitched back to me doing a full cast reading. Uh, but rather than adapting it as, you know, like a, an audio play, it's literally she's reading all the prose and she just casts, you know, 30 people to be the various characters. And it's one to one. It's the book. Damn. Uh, but with the, and it, I mean, it took us like two years to finish it um, <laughs> and it just came out and it's fantastic. But it, I think it's great. It's super fun. Um, and I think that, you know, makes maybe for a book that is lengthy and sort of. Um, uh, like a, a Hollywood melodrama in the vein of like postcards from the edge uh, that might not be palatable to someone who wants to pick it up and read it. Uh, the audio version is there as, you know, this full cast experience, uh, which I think is, uh, is I think, you know, we're going to find people who won't want to pick up the book who are going to want to listen to that. Uh, and I think it's just, it really is a matter of giving uh, giving the thing as much life in as many different avenues as you can uh so that it can find audience members uh where people are looking for it so it's just a, just a question of using the internet just to get in front of people people want content i mean that's the one thing that's you know that's why that's why the strikes are happening it's why uh everything is insane is this uh, insatiable need for content uh and uh i think i think I'm not sure why that's happening. Maybe, you know, maybe it is part of a, a, a an awakening, uh, which, which, you an, know, an awakening to content posited on this, uh, on this very show, or maybe, uh, you know, devouring so much content that you start to, uh, see the pattern in things, uh, and, uh, and, and you can, you know, write better stories, uh, and, and make me maybe live a better life. Yeah. It's kind of crazy just that, that, Everything, you know, content is produced and consumed asynchronously now, meaning you can put something out and it's just there and somebody's going to watch yeah. it. You don't have yeah. to force everyone to be on one programming track. Yeah, yeah. Like that water cooler conversation is kind of a thing of the past now. There are still like the yeah. big tentpole things. Everyone's talking about Oppenheimer. I haven't seen it, but everyone's talking either. about Oppenheimer. I saw Barbie, though. It was great. Barbie was great. Barbie, was... <laughs> you like Barbie? Yeah, I loved Barbie. <laughs> Barbie was amazing. I mean, it was what, just what was her... solid storytelling. So, uh, what was her? Um, I, 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 that was my my spirit animal. Is you know, um, sudden sudden thoughts of death. Barbie. Oh, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I can't remember the exact wording, but you know, the Barbie that's constantly ruminating on death. That's me. Yeah, that's my, yeah. I totally Same. identify Same. with that Barbie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Barbie was very good. Barbie was very good. Um, Did not know, you know, the Mattel's Barbie was going to be uh, a, a, a thesis on, you know, uh, dying. That was really and, ge and gender relations in the 21st century. Yeah, I, that was I, wild, I, man. I, I was amazed by the fact that at the end of the movie, they had to conclude the conclusion of the movie, unless I read it wrong, but the conclusion of the movie was essentially it's impossible for men and women to get along. So we're just going to separate you. Right. <laughs> and like, that's the end. That That's, that's the message. It's just like, we don't know. We're just going to give up. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't know the answer either. Look. We're just going to keep you separated. <laughs> it was great.
I was really surprised. Big, biggest surprise of the year for sure. Oh yeah, of, no, no, no. Barbie is is one of the all time classics in my mind already. <laughs> so speaking of speaking of constant ruminating fears of death, and um, and now Halloween and Halloween. <laughs> this is the Halloween uh, episode, so let's talk about uh, spooky stuff. I was going to ask spooky you, stuff. Uh, what is what is horror to you? Like, what constitutes horror? Um, that's a great question because horror uh, is, is, you know, like is, has always been my genre. It's always been my jam. Yeah. It's always what I read. Same. It's what I wanted to write. Yeah. And, um, uh, it's what I like writing. And, um, it's also metaphysical about the world as it is now. And I like horror because it's about the world here now, just with one thing tweaked, unlike Right. You know, swords and sorcery or science fiction or something like that. Right, Anyways. Right. <laughs> Which is more of a dissociative experience. Just kind of tying it, just tying it back into the theme of this podcast. Um, it's, uh, I mean, I, that's probably why hereditary is such a touchstone for me because, uh, of what that, of what it's about. Um, Horror is fun, you know. Uh, it's sort of like dessert. I feel like the, it, there's never there's it's it always it always goes down easy. Like I'm always in the mood for it, um, and it's a great uh, reflection of what's going on. I think that's sort of the standard answer. It's true. Uh, I think it's cliche because it's true. Is if you look at the horror movies of any given decade, um, you can. It's a great reflection of what was going on at that time. Uh, my favorite example is is Texas Chainsaw Massacre one versus two, which um, you know one was uh, this sort of reaction to the war. Uh, so you just get this horrifying uh, carnival of you know just shell shocked uh, people in just stuck in this room together going fucking insane. And then um, I think 12 years later or something, part two comes out and the whole thing's about Reaganomics and it's about killing yuppies and, uh, you know, uh, amusement parks going out of business and recessions. Uh, and <laughs> it's a completely different movie. And anyone watching, you know, part one uh, and part two with no uh, uh, information in between is going to be very confused that, the, you know, that this is part of the same franchise. But uh, I think it, you know, it perfectly reflects what was going on at the time uh, for each of those. Uh, and then you watch them now and it's just, you know, torture porn because that's basically what's happening is we're all just getting chainsawed. Uh, you mean, you know, horror, you mean horror, horror movies that are coming out now? No, the, the new te Chainsaw, the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. The, I mean, the like new the one, the ones that are coming years. out now. Yeah. 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 It's just been like pure penetration. It's just... <laughs> 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 which, which makes sense. I mean, it, it, like that's that's all that's going on. It's just constant. <laughs> yeah, that's like, that's what it feels like for the wow. past twenty years. You know, I definitely noticed there was a huge <laughs> the there was a change in horror movies, and it's actually when I stopped watching them um, after Guantanamo Bay, because oh, it was yeah. after Guantanamo Bay after those pictures came out that saw the first Saw movie came out. Yeah. And like after that, like I think something there was some switch that like got flipped in people's heads where like all of a sudden like cruelty and degradation were really interesting. Right. Yeah. Um cruelty and degradation in like green fluorescent light. Like that's the <laughs> for some well, well, yes, in this case, yes. <laughs> so for some reason that was the aesthetic. 
which is uh, never what yeah, I, I i never wanted i like i don't like that i never liked Splatter but i think that's or... a perfect example uh like you know everything post guantanamo bay had that uh, you know there is there is a movement that emerged post guantanamo bay of you know just this unrelenting like hostile torture yeah yeah very much so uh but you know then there's always people who are willing to explore something a little deeper like ari aster uh going back to hereditary and hereditary is the kind of movie that scares me that you know torture porn doesn't scare me at this point it bores me yeah, yeah um yeah. and uh there's like snarky horror too you know there's like the um the american horror story type of horror which is uh, I don't even, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like, uh, you know, it's just Emma Roberts, uh, talking, either talking to killers and going like, uh, you know, uh, boring yawn, or <laughs> she is the killer. And, and, you know, and then again, she's just saying boring yawn, but she's stabbing people instead of running from them. It's like, there's no, uh, that like the that snarky horror thing is its own aesthetic, um, and it's funny, you know. I mean, uh, I'll watch them, um, but they're not the ones that stick with me. That's like, that's like the Twinkie, uh, you know. It's like I'll eat it; it was delicious, but um, it wasn't yeah. good for me. Well, <laughs> it, it wasn't nutritious. Don't forget my favorite genre on that on that point: the like mega shark versus mega tornado type. Right, genre. right, right. Yeah, there's a, mega there's spider. A new one. There's a great one. It stole an idea that I was going to, that I wanted to, I wanted to be the first to do it. Um, but someone made a movie called literally it's called bad CGI sharks. And it's, <laughs> and it's just, you know, bad CGI sharks are coming and they're like, Oh my God, why are these sharks with CGI? And I always wanted like that to be an explanation uh, for like why an effect looks shitty is because, you know, like someone's there and they're like, what the fuck is this? It looks like CGI. I like, I wanted that in a movie. Uh, <laughs> and someone did it and I, you know, my hat's off to them. That's great. Uh, but yeah, yeah I like, love they, you know, they sort of one upping each other and trying to find that, you know, that hilarious portmanteau, like lava lantula or something. Lava, lava is that a real one? Well, that's a real one. That's <laughs> wow. I, have you seen uh, Velocipaster is a real one? Uh, I have not seen Velocipaster. Yeah. We almost did a Velocipaster novelization. We were this close. Wow. Yeah, that one would have been a fun one. That Might still happen. My, fav my favorite <laughs> one, my favorite one in that genre is House Shark, I think is what it's called where house shark yeah like people buy a house that is uh quote unquote haunted by a shark that comes out of the toilets and okay. eats everyone and so great. they have to find a uh, a shaman <laughs> to exercise the shark from the house it's it's amazing yeah look i'm not i'm not gonna sit here and pretend uh that i you know that i'm uh that i only watch uh horror movies that francis ford coppola approves of i <laughs> uh before we even started this today I watched I watched Evil Bong eight. There there are literally eight Evil Bong movies, and uh, and I'd only seen the first seven, so I watched part eight this morning um, while I was working, and it made me very happy. Very good. Uh, <laughs> if anyone you know is interested in the exploits of uh, of a bong that uh, is evil, and when you smoke oh, evil it, evil bong. You. I thought you said evil, evil dawn, like red dawn, evil bong. Nope. Evil there are bong. eight evil bong movies. I was waiting for a reaction. Wow. It was because I mumbled my words. Evil bong. What, what percentage of horror movies do you think are watched while high? A lot of them. Yeah. Uh, 75%, 80%. <laughs> yeah. I, that that I seems mean, about right. You, know, you got to be in the right headspace sometimes. <laughs>
They're, uh, that's another reason why they're like, uh, have you seen, have you seen leprechaun in the hood? I've seen every single leprechaun. Nice. Even at the one, even, even, even leprechaun in space. I've seen Leprechaun in Space. That's one of the best ones. I've seen Leprechaun in the Hood. I've seen Leprechaun Back to the Hood. Uh, I've seen Leprechaun Origins. Um, there's a new Leprechaun, which I think is called Leprechaun Returns, uh, directed by Stephen Kostansky, which uh, is the gentleman that directed this masterpiece here, uh, of which we created the novelization. Manborg. Uh, where, where the Leprechaun actually rides a drone uh <laughs> and, and flies it like a hoverboard to kill people that's amazing Absolutely. that's amazing that's that's i would be stoked about that that's great <laughs> so yeah i will totally wax you know about trash horror all day long that's there's great. a place for it man well just to make just to, just to <laughs> i love it just to obnoxiously make it highbrow again um yes yes so but I, I love this idea of you know, this idea of horror reflecting the kind of fears of a culture. So I'm thinking back to, you know, like the eighties with Steven Spielberg and Stephen King, mm -hmm. where like all the horror is about like threats to the suburbs. It's like yes, the white, so. the white bread suburban order is threatened right. by a monster. Absolutely. And now we've got to <laughs> deal with it and put everything back into place. And there's probably going to be like Bruce Springsteen quotes and Stephen King talking about the boss a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Well, 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 you know, uh, wiping his nose every, uh, every oh, no, third no. sentence. <laughs> well, he's publicly admitted that, right? So that's I mean, not absolutely. like, that's not I shit mean, talking. You watch some of those, some of those early King interviews are fascinating because that dude is clearly like up to here on coke. Is he like, <laughs> going, is, he, is he going full Charles Manson, like spaz out? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. He, you know, he's, yeah, I'm, I'm out there, man. My words are out there. You can't. That's, Char that's, that's Charlie. That's not, that's, that's not Stevie. Okay, okay. Just checking. <laughs> just checking. Because Stephen King is like, is like the, the, his Twitter is like the ultimate dad Twitter now. It really is. It's hilarious. Yeah. And his, um, he even had an exclusive Funko Pop made, uh, and it's him and his dog. Uh, that's great. So it's Stephen King and Molly. Uh, <laughs> that, that's great. You gotta love Stephen King. He's like everyone's dad. That's great. Yeah, Uncle Steve. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so it's like it kind of like if that's what was the horror in the eighties was threats to the suburbs, um, yeah. which I'm sure somebody sort of like that. That whole genre is just waiting for somebody to do like the. Uh, like the critical theory race read on it to just like, and, and just to dismantle that. Um, right. That, um, that but what are you saying? <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe we'll put out the book about that. We that do a lot good. of nonfiction. You do nonfiction, nonfiction too. Is, yeah. Nonfiction is, is, is uh, nonfiction and novelizations are our best sellers. Interestingly enough. Really? People uh, what love do the you, nonfiction. What do you do nonfiction about? Uh, our best-selling books are these uh, these uh, books by uh, an author named Dustin McNeil, who does gigantic tomes about the making of franchises. Uh, so we have Slash of the Titans, which is about the making uh, the the sort of twenty-year-long process of trying to make Freddy versus Jason. And uh, the guy literally found every single screenplay that was commissioned uh, from every single screenwriter in Hollywood who was, you know, hot at that moment that pitched Freddy versus Jason to New Line Cinema. Uh, and he does a breakdown of every single version of that script. Uh, what this one did, and then he interviews the person that wrote it. Fascinating. Uh, and then there's another one, there's a series called Taking Shape 1 and 2, which the first one is um, 
uh, making of every single Halloween movie. Uh, and then taking shape two is a making of every Halloween sequel that didn't happen. Nice. Uh, which is super, super That's fascinating. Cool. Yeah, so uh, much stuff that you're putting out. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's been fun. So, uh, so, so I, was gonna... I definitely am steeped in horror all the time. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I was, I was going to ask, so if you're, you know, all this new horror that you're putting out or that you're getting submitted, like, what are the themes that you're seeing? I mean, what, what is, you know, if we kind of take this idea that horror reflects you know, people's anxieties, uh, or, or cultural anxieties. What are you seeing right now? It's a lot of revenge. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Revenge. Eh? Let's hear more about like, this. You know what? I kind of understand. I kind of get it. Yeah. Let's hear um, more. So, you know, like, um, like, uh, I I've heard, I've heard pitches and stories about, I mean, it always ends in revenge. Like one was, uh, it was like this fight club, um, this post-apocalyptic fight club kind of thing where this girl, uh, infiltrated the club, but it was really just to get back at the, the club promoter who ended up killing her dad. Um, a lot of it's environmental horror, uh, and, you know, stopping the big mega corporation that's fucking up the planet. Um, it, it's, it's just, it's a lot of the people in power are fucking us over and we're going to hurt them. Uh, okay. and I, you know, it's like, I wonder why people are writing about <laughs> So at this, at this point, it's just like straight revenge fantasy, wish fulfillment. Yeah. Wow. Okay. But politicized, uh, but overtly politicized. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, always, always with some, um, I mean, literally, <laughs> literally one of the villains in one of the stories, um, I heard was, uh, was the villain was named, uh, uh president prompt. Prompt. Yeah. See, this is what I was talking about earlier. I was like, I'm afraid that this is what, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, you know, that's, I see what you're doing there. Uh, I don't think it's for us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, are, is, is any of this stuff good? I mean, or is it just, just kind of like just, just straight. No, absolutely. Yeah. We, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we, there's one right now. I mean, I don't even know. Uh, I'm trying like the, the, so the book we just put out, uh, it, where we're just about to put out is called, um, the parts, the parts, the part mart. <laughs> Uh, and it's a fake children's book, um, fully illustrated and everything. And it's about uh, a little girl who, and you know, and uh, this was pitched to me and I absolutely fell in love with it because it was like David Cronenberg for kids. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's about a little girl who, uh, or like a teenage girl, I guess, who, who keeps seeing all these influencers uh, that have, you know, part, parts that she wants. She wants a uh, different nose. She wants different hands. She wants, uh, you know, better knees, I whatever think I it see is. where this is going. And she keeps going to the part mart to get, to get an upgrade. And so they'll take off a knee and they'll put it in a jar and they'll give her a new knee. And by the end of the book, there is a complete, there is a, a there's a part, she, she's like a Frankenstein. There's a, there's a thing out there that is not her, not a single part of her is her anymore. And she's sitting on a shelf watching even her head in a jar, watching her body out there doing all these things. And she's like, that was neat and all, but I kind of, I kind of just wish I was still me. And, uh, and I thought that one was really cool. That's good. Uh, and I, I like thought that. that was a, that was a good reflection of, you know, of what's going on. As I well. like that. I that was a, 
Yeah, right? that's really good. That's really good. That's also very disturbing because I feel like yes. that could actually happen. <laughs> Absolutely. And that people would go uh, for know. it, you know. It, it, right. If if, uh, if that technology came to pass, people oh, would absolutely. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really scary. Um, so, yeah, you know, we say we say yes to the ones that uh, that tickle our, uh, our our scary bone. Interesting. Well, it's like kind of like the golden age of horror, at least for like, at least for people our age, kind of like the 80s, Stephen King, Clive Barker. Uh, yeah. The golden age of mass market paperback horror. Uh, and that was when the world was under the threat of mutually assured destruction with nuclear right, weapons, sure. and which is kind of yeah. kind of coming back now. So right. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's like, <laughs> do you think horror? It's horror, all the rage again. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Do you think that horror thrives when the world is more or less horrifying? Like, because mm. the other times, because like, I also think about when the is 90s. the world not horrifying? Well, like That's for my... instance, here's a counterexample. It's like I think about the '90s when things were pretty much pretty good. You know, there was sure. a, there was the Balkans conflict. There was stuff going on, but yeah. but um, and then people loved like ultra edge lord. You know, the edgiest horror you could possibly get in the nineties. Like it was just like the edge lord decade. So you know, <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, I, I never thought of that. Um, because like you sort of whatever whatever there's um. The way we all operate uh, on a mass scale is is to sort of you know wherever there's a, a dearth of something will um, will try to fill that right. So uh, when you said '90s, like the first thing I thought of was Scream because everything was sort of okay. happy go lucky ish. Uh, someone had some, Kevin Williamson, you know, uh, had the time to sort of. Oh, that was late on. '90s though. I, I consider okay. Scream to be like Y2K culture. Oh, interesting. I mean, I, I agree. I totally agree. <laughs> That's like Backstreet Boys it's the, era. It's the yeah. Grandfather, you know, it's the it's the the granddaddy of that snarky horror we were talking about. Uh, yes. Um, yes. And I think that emerged from maybe you know having uh, having a um, a less terrifying time to think about uh, familial mental illness, uh, <laughs> sort of <laughs> yeah. destroying yeah, no. your psyche. No, that's uh, a really we, good point. That's a really good point. It's just like, <laughs> damn, you know, it's just like, that's the thing. That's the thing about when I watch Hereditary. It's like, this is great. But like, yo, I got enough problems in my life. Okay, like, I don't need you like adding, to, adding to the stack. And I feel like that's probably the case to... now. If it's I just like I don't think feel... about this. I journal, you know, like what? yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like I just need to let, walk outside or turn on the news. Like I feel like now people would be or probably not running to the theaters to be like get like Ingmar Bergman level psychological trauma right. uh, from right. their exactly. their uh, their yeah, feelings. There is the escapism factor, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think yeah, there's always going to be a desire to escape from something. Um, and if there isn't, then, you know, you, you'll, I, I think maybe you, you do get something of a more of a fluffier nature. Um, but, you know, but then it's more, uh, but horror comedy has its place too. Uh, maybe, maybe that's what, maybe that's the answer is, you know, in, uh, in, in lighter times, you get more horror comedy. Maybe that's the reflection. Well, <laughs> that would be interesting to trace back. I mean, like, cause grand, is it grand guignol? Is that how it's pronounced? Yeah, Guignol, French. Guignol. I say Guignol. Guignol. Cajun. Um, <laughs> I mean, that, that's kind of like the genesis of horror comedy, right? And and that was happening, what, in Victorian era? 
or was it all yeah. throughout the 19th century? Yeah, yeah, very much so. That's uh, yeah, that is that's you know uh, the the OG uh, horror camp, you know. Yeah. So, do we consider the Victorian era like good, like good times for people or not? I mean, I don't know. I mean, by by their standard, maybe it was. I mean, by by its definition, wasn't it more? It was prim. It was proper. Uh, everything. <laughs> Uh, but you know, uh, there, I mean, there were always undercurrents, uh, women sure didn't have it great. Um, there, uh, there's, there's always going to be someone in any given era that, you know, is, is getting the most, uh, shat upon, I guess. <laughs> um, so I, I, I think there are always, there are always avenues. I mean, we've, we've talked about so many different kinds of horror, uh, just, just, that are, you know, out right now. I mean, you're, you know, you're talking about toilet ghost sharks and I'm talking about uh, <laughs> bongs that take you to another dimension and, and kill you uh, in the same, in the same conversation as, you know, the most traumatizing horror films uh, you can imagine. Uh, yeah. So I think it's just a matter of, uh, of finding, of finding it, uh, you know, looking, looking for it, uh, where you might be able to find it and, and, and seeing what speaks to you. And if there isn't anything, you know, that is sort of, that's telling the stories that are resonating with you, then maybe you're the one that starts to tell those stories. Yeah, that's well put. So is there, is there like a really active, um, kind of scene on the internet of people reading and writing? fantastic yeah. uh, literature whatever yeah, you want yeah. to call it All, always um what's the big one right now um i uh, like they just uh, i'm i'm not i'm not all up on the internet uh <laughs> i have <laughs> but, um, but didn't you say you played the internet i do yeah yeah i played the internet yeah well, you're I, all, uh, all up on it. <laughs> and i did not go method i did not uh i did not research <laughs> what it was like to be the internet to play the internet or, okay <laughs> or to um, be on the internet or to yeah, or to be on the internet. I mean, I have I have some pretty I have pretty severe social anxiety. Uh, I uh, social and social networks like freak me out. Uh, wow, you have, you have social you have social anxiety even on social media, especially wow. on social media. Wow. I have social okay. network anxiety. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know what it is. I feel I feel so much more naked on social media than if I was standing naked in the middle of, you know, La Cienega. Huh. Uh, I, it, ju it, it just doesn't feel safe. It feels, uh, it feels violent and yeah. angry and, yeah. um, and I've had enough negative experiences on social media to, to make me never want to go there again. And I'll venture out there sometimes. Uh, and it all, and I always like come back feeling like, fucking james franco in 127 hours i'm just like i've left parts of me behind i don't know where i am anymore i'm hungry and i'm scared uh, <laughs> I, just, I don't i don't like it uh, i don't know i don't know what it is um maybe it's all the harassment maybe maybe that might be a part of it um but it just uh i, I or I, I think a big part of it is probably the same reason that hereditary speaks to me so much is because my mind is my own worst enemy. Uh, okay. And if I don't keep it reined in, it will just fucking take control. It'll, it'll run off without me and leave me behind, far behind. Uh, and it'll take me a long time to get it back. Yeah. I think that's uh, why that movie was one of the reasons that movie was so uh, unsettling for people. Yeah. And, and why it was so divisive, I think, because if you know, like, if you, if that doesn't resonate with you, it's not going to make 
any sense at all. Yeah. Uh, but if it resonates with you even a tiny bit, like it, it is dread from start to finish. It is pure, creeping, awful dread uh, <laughs> that makes you want to leave and take a shower. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so yeah, I don't. Uh, so you know, social media is horror. Uh, the mind is horror. Um, I like monsters, fake monsters, and shit uh, aren't scary. Uh, what people do to each other uh, and and how they treat each other when they feel they have anonymity is fucking scary. Yeah, no, I I agree. It's um, it is really scary, and that kind of brings up another question. I often hear people say this, uh, maybe maybe you get people saying something like, 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 like this to you, that the world is so crazy. Now it's so out of, out of hand. It's so absurd and deluded that writing fiction is pointless. Like why, <laughs> why would you write? Like, you just look at right. the headlines and just like the, the level of insanity that's occurring in the world. It's just like, there's no point in like science fiction, speculative, like forget it. And if it's like some type of speculative thing, forget it. Cause you know, it's going to, the future, changes yeah, every yeah. 24 hours like good luck you know good luck keeping up with it it's like a yeah. car like you drive it off the lot and it's already devalued yeah exactly you finish your story that's how i feel about science fiction like if somebody's writing hard science fiction it's like well good luck because everything's going to be obsolete by the time it's yeah. published so um anyways it's, it's tough it's really really tough that's a great point uh and yeah. it's what it's one of the things that prevents me from writing more um, I, and, and it's why I like nonfiction and archiving so much, um, is because, uh, this, in such a throwaway society, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to, to, you know, preserve things that, that are just going to get forgotten to time. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. I've been buying books like crazy archiving stuff. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, at any point the internet can just be shut off and then yes. all these, supposed, <laughs> all these, that's all gone. And then right? you just got to, you know, look for people's hard drives, whatever people manage to save off the internet, you know, but yeah. even that, you know. so anyways, it's wild, man. Yeah. yeah. So, so, um, I had questions. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what your next question was going to be. Um, but, uh, I'm not sure actually. Go. Do you, ha did you prepare a list? Uh, were you that prepared? Uh, I was unprepared for your presence, Mark. It is overwhelming now that it is. I uh, well, I hope I've been uh, graced with it. Been, I hope it hasn't been too daunting uh, <laughs> sitting here talking with me. Um, Always, it's, I it's know, actually quite intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the first time I've ever heard that. I don't uh, like any anyone that has ever met me has never used that word. It's uh, just because they're too intimidated to tell you. Oh, I never thought of it that yeah, way. I'm see. intimidating them to the point that they could never fully be honest with me. But now that we're safe, now that you're in Texas, now now that I'm on Zoom, and I can I can't, tell you, I can't, you can't, I can't now, now that you can't reach through the screen and savage, savagely beat me across the head, <laughs> which I was known to do. Which I mean, yeah, I've time. seen you do it a few times. Yeah, just like randomly. Every time like, we got you know. together, it, it was just something about you. I just. The fist started talking, you know. Well, it wasn't just that. I mean, it was random passerby, you know. It was like old <laughs> old women walking their schnauzers, if that's a dog. There's something about you. Shih tzus. And uh, you would just go up and you would just go up and fist would start flying. You would let them know that something about their presence was not acceptable to you. Yeah. I don't know what it was. Uh which is another they. reason. 
it's one Neither reason did they. they were just happen. left they were just left bleeding and questioning yeah that's why i stay home now is because you know it's, uh, it's for I'm, society's I'm a, protection i'm a loaded weapon and, <laughs> <laughs> and i'll just go out and hurt people man is it true <laughs> that is it true that you had to register your fists as lethal weapons and that if yeah, you assault, some, I, uh, assault somebody with them it's a felony automatically uh, I got kicked out of Disneyland one time for bringing in these guns, baby. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's why you got kicked out of Disneyland. Something tells me there's more to this story. There was no. I just got. I just. I go to Disneyland. I have a Disneyland pass. That's that's okay, that's you, what's you, more to the story. You didn't I'm get in, kicked out of Disneyland. I never got kicked out of Disneyland. Okay. Uh, and I've and I've only beat up like three or four old white ladies well i commend i commend you on your self-control then (laughs) you were okay so you were gonna you said you were gonna ask me something (laughs) uh yeah i mean you don't want to talk about beating more drifters um we can do that too we we can talk about lighting the homeless on fire (laughs) (laughs) a favorite past i mean i think that's what we first bond on bonded i'm sorry that was i'm sorry i should not have said that on the air that was inappropriate and hurtful of me I should have said lighting the unhoused on fire. The unhoused, I was going to say. I, yes. I was I was triggered just now, actually, <laughs> uh, by your poor choice of words. Um, I want to know did you uh, did you reset your uh, your um, system uh, from sympathetic to parasympathetic in in preparation for uh, for this Zoom call for this interview? Yeah. Yes, I did actually. Me but too. That's, <laughs> very, very good. Uh, but that's just because it's a that's a that's just how I how I ride. Right, right. It's the only it's the only way to go. Um, when when would you say I want to talk about awakening? I know it's not a Halloween topic. Whoa, plot twist. What? <laughs> you but want yeah, to talk we can about... keep it on on brand. And uh, okay, well, on plot twist. Uh, hour seventeen minutes in. Well, look, if you want to talk about that, we got to start with the first steps first. And that's a free personality test. <laughs> Do you have e-meters? Oh, we have e-meters, but you, you, you got to take the e-meters? test. Can I, can I grab the, can I you, grab you can the put can? your hands on the screen? <laughs> Is that the kind of awakening you were talking about? That's not what I was talking about, but I do want to hear how your, uh, how your, your uh, uh, journey across the bridge is progressing. The, the bridge to total freedom. The bridge to total freedom, absolutely. Pretty good. I don't have my a yacht, though, which oh, I'm, yeah? I'm disappointed about, and I'm working on that. Um, there will be an ultra-culture yacht at some point where people can good. come party. And you can you can just bring a bunch of little boys on it and... <laughs> and uh, just, no. No? no. <laughs> I don't want to go on your yacht. <laughs> yeah, I'll leave. There's some things I'll leave to L. Ron Hubbard. Fair enough. Yeah, you know, he was crazy. Yeah, I mean, he and he was the kind of guy to to do that. I mean, like he uh, he was on that yacht and he what he uh, convinced everyone that they were sailing around looking for buried treasure that he'd mm-hmm. hidden when in a past life when he was a pirate. <laughs> and people who went on that yacht said there were more drugs on that ship than anything they'd ever seen in the music industry in Los Angeles in the 1960s. Yeah, and they're like, like can this you imagine drugs? <laughs> it's like, yeah, and it's like, can you imagine? <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah. Did you ever read Chaos? Uh, the math book? No, no the the Charles Manson CIA LSD cover up book. Oh no. 
it's amazing. Uh, just the, the thing, the thing you said about, you know, being on the boat with more drugs than you've ever seen in your life, uh, was a, was a sparked, a, sparked a memory. Uh, I think you would like it. I think, um, I think it, I think it might intrigue you. It's a fascinating, uh, story that's sort of, um, and there's no conclusion. It's just, uh, this guy follows the threads. He, he's given a prompt to write, um, a story for, I think Vanity Fair or something. No, Movie Line. Movie Line magazine about the 20th anniversary of the, of the Tate killings. And, um, he cannot finish the article. Uh, and he just keeps extending the deadline, extending the deadline, extending the deadline, doing more research. Every interview he does leads him somewhere else to another person that says, Oh, have you talked to so-and-so uh, to the point that the magazine uh, has long been out of business uh, and he, <laughs> he hasn't written anything else. He's still researching uh, the, the murders. And uh, at a certain point, he just, he just says, I had to call it. I had, I had to stop researching. Uh, and I, and I, I just realized I was never going to get an answer. Uh, and I was never going to come to any sort of conclusion, but it, it's more threads than anybody has ever pulled at uh, in regards to uh, to the to the Manson case. And it's fucking fascinating. Interesting. So what did you walk away from that concluding, like in terms of who did what? The, uh, the, I'd say the closest thing that I uh, that I came away with to a thesis is that um, the CIA opened up um, te- a testing facility in the hay- in the the heyday of Haight Ashbury um, to create sleeper cells to stop the free love movement, um, and the killings were that seminal moment uh, that ended that sort of. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, era of peace and love. And that, that was intentionally done. And that was intentionally done. I mean, I'll, I'll buy that. <laughs> That's what I would do if I was an evil CIA motherfucker. Right. Right. Um, Makes perfect sense. Yeah. The thing about Manson that people don't, I mean, the, there's so much misinformation about that case and people just don't know about it unless you're in, Unless you listen to like ministry albums in the eighties, in which case you know a whole lot about it, um, just like a certain certain type of person. Um, <laughs> but the, the thing the thing about the thing about uh, Charles Manson is he was like a career prisoner. Yeah, like he went to jail at the age of fifteen or something like that for shoplifting fruit, mm-hmm. and was just getting like like raped in prison from the age of fifteen and put on work gangs, and like he was in and out of prison his entire life and the charles manson that people know is just his antics when they let him out for like a, a couple of years yeah yeah exactly so like he they just dropped him off and he was ready to go because he was like uh you know he, he's he'd grown up in the prison system yeah and then he was only ever out of the prison system briefly enough to do the you know tate labianca murders yeah which he did not do which people also think he did right but well, yeah, which he, people he, don't he understand do but there's so much stuff about manson's parole officer that is really highly questionable uh oh, what's, what's that about that he was uh that he, uh how many people had um had their sort of hands in his pockets and and vice versa and one of those organizations was the clinic in haight ashbury that was doling out lsd to the hippies uh and doing these weird experiments uh and that's the only reason manson ended up there is because of his parole officer really fascinating interesting 
Uh-huh. Interesting. <laughs> How odd. Super fucking fascinating. Yeah, I, I'll say this. I mean, like the thing about the the thing about the Charles Manson case is it's so like iconic. It's so like charged with it's so mythologically charged. It's so like uh, involved in the kind of like shadow mythology of America. Um, that it's almost like the facts of the case don't actually matter. Yeah. It's more like whatever, like the vibe that was came off of that. Yeah, yeah. I will it say the mythology ol- at this point. Yeah, particularly, and you can feel it if you live in LA. Um, <laughs> did I tell you I almost moved in right next to Spawn Ranch? No way. Yeah, wow. this is a fuck story. Uh, uh, in in it's near Thousand Oaks. It's in West Hills, and yeah. I was gonna move nearby. Uh, during the pandemic, but then it turned out to be a nuclear dumping ground. Uh, and that is part of why I left California. Cause I was just like, this is just not, this is not happening. I don't think um, this is a good place to be. Uh, but yeah, a buddy Trump, of mine is, um, he's, he's sort of, he, yeah, he's kind of like, uh, a Forrest Gump character in that he is always in places where significant things are happening. Um, d- despite, you know, not, not being, um, He's not a, he's not like a psychonaut or anything. He's not a, a guy that explores, you know, uh, different aspects of consciousness in the world. He just happens to find himself in these strange situations. For example, he was one of the head team members of the Titan, uh, exploration, uh, vessel. Uh, and the, I mean, he, like, he was, uh, emailing me, you know, a couple months before all that went down. Yeah, we've been doing all these dives, going down to the Titanic, and I was like blown away. And then that thing happened, and I emailed him right away, and I was like, "What the hell? Are you okay? Were you on there?" Luckily, he uh, he got sick that day, so he didn't go on it. Um, but he also uh, is uh, he he does a lot of um, rea- reality TV, for lack of a better word, and uh, because of that, one day he got to go interview Manson. Uh, and he, he, he was given all these like, uh, restrictions. You can't tell anybody about it. No one will know about it. Uh, Manson won't even know about it until the day. Like we don't tell him anything because, you know, he, he has like this network of people, uh, that he, you know, he can communicate through the prison system. So we keep all this information hidden from him. Uh, and so it was this big to do that he had to keep secret and there, you know, and don't, don't, you know, don't tell him anything. Don't give him any personal information. He'll use it against you. They, all these rules that they gave him. Uh, so he goes to the prison. It's like finally time. And he goes and he's, you know, they, they have to, they do the search and all that. And they, they make sure that there's, that he has nothing on him that Manson can use as a weapon. Uh, and they, and they, he finally gets you know to the door uh and uh the slot opens and manson goes hey jude nice to meet you (laughs) he knew the guy's name oh jesus about him it was fucking crazy that's terrifying (laughs) that's terrifying yeah so (laughs) there was like one prison guard that was like in charge of making sure you know Manson didn't know the information and and he was in Manson's pocket. That was a really that was a really spot on Manson impression. It scared me actually a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. I uh, yeah. try to well, my my Manson to pull myself impression back is based on um I think is it Bob Odenkirk's Manson impression? <laughs> okay. On the on the Ben Stiller show. Okay. So what <laughs> what happened then? I mean, did he have anything else to say about him? 
no, I mean they just they just did a regular old interview. He said it wasn't it was you know it wasn't anything um, outrageously uh, terrifying. And Manson never harassed him or sent anyone after his family or anything. So in that way, he was actually you know a, a kinder person than uh, the Church of Scientology. <laughs> Although he was he was in Scientology briefly. Was he? I don't yeah, he took that. he took courses on Scientology in prison before all that happened. Wow. And that's part of what gave him his cult leader abilities studying Scientology. Ah, yep, he got okay, it from okay. them. Sure. Yep. Yeah, and he was connected with the process. He was connected with the process, I believe, also briefly, but I could have that wrong. Wow. Um yeah, I will say, like, I read um it's not like his autobiography, but there's a book that's called like Charles Manson in his own words that was like interviews yeah. with him in prison. That is the only book that I have had to put as far as I can think of that's the only book that I've had to put down and just stop reading completely because it was like making it made it it felt like it was making me mentally ill and like not like you know like I, I've read some fucked up shit as you might imagine yeah yeah sure so you know like whatever like Dennis Cooper right. Marquis de Sade whatever right. like yeah American Psycho. who cares <laughs> right 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 but and it wasn't because of the content it wasn't because of any specific content. It was just being in that mind space for so long. That's wild, man. And this is coming from a guy that's read Dianetics. <laughs> <laughs> Dianetics is pretty good. I wanna, I'm going to like, I'm like, uh, it's like, you know, that part in Repo Man where like the older Repo Man is like, you got to get that copy of Dianetics. You better read that. You got to get that knowledge in your head. <laughs> Dianetics is pretty good, actually. It's not that crazy. It's a good read. It's a solid yeah. read. <laughs> yeah, volcano. So, so did I answer your question about awakening and the bridge to, to total freedom? No, we didn't even get into it. We we okay. we, we we went on a Manson uh, a, a tangent, um, and then we we jokingly we we got into the bridge. But I want to know if you're ascending the ladder. Uh, oh yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. That one's that one's my favorite. That's my favorite piece of mythology. I am. Um, um, yes. When did the process begin? That's what I want to know. Were you the awakening? The process when we church. Were, when no, good God, the awakening process. Sir. What are you talking about? Are I'm you talking, talking about new about, age shit. Yes, I'm talking about new age bullshit. Okay, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? I mean, you know, you, you hear your channel uh, it, it talks about Kundalini. Your channel talks about uh, different, um, you know, satsanas. Um, Sir, I run an auto repair and car parts YouTube channel. Oh, my bad. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you're in the wrong I was, place. I'm talking to the wrong. It's like the Conan O'Brien joke. It's one of my favorites is because uh, he, you know, he's Harvard. He's, t he's a Harvard guy through and through. He worked, he, he wrote for the Lampoon. His humor okay. is very Harvard. Uh, but, it, but it, he, he packages in a, in a way that's, you know, pleasing to uh, a certain demographic. And when people come on the show and try to, uh, I've seen people try to school him. They're like, come on, don't play dumb. You're from Harvard. His go-to is always no Harvard driving school. You know, it's the, it's <laughs> the wrong Harvard. <laughs> Very good. That's great. That's, <laughs> I, I repaired okay. tires. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, no, that interview with Jessa was fascinating, man. Uh, and, you know, you were alluding to things that you've seen. And uh, you're going to have to remind me. You're going to have to remind me because that's like 100 episodes back or something. Was that 100 already. episodes yeah. back? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're, we're talking. Uh, one of the things that struck me was the 
your shift in in thinking about uh, a life uh, in a linear capacity versus uh, as a pool of water where the drop goes in and a new drop comes out. Okay. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. Uh, and and I'd, I'd never heard that uh, that visual before. And I want to know um, when that process began. Like what what brought you to moments of uh, of looking at things that way? Were you already there when we were talking back in the day? Oh, yeah. I know you were. Yeah. You were, yeah. Oh, yeah. Before I, mo- before I moved to Los Angeles. Okay. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I did not know I, that. I had, um, I mean, if, uh, okay, Jesus, if you, if you really want. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't mean to derail on. the show. <laughs> I got to switch hats now. Um, yeah, I would, I mean, I started spiritual training at 16, 17. Really? And, probably complete and and entered completion stages around the age of 26 so and that's when i was in new york uh, and was this uh on your own uh were people like oh, forcing no. this on you <laughs> <laughs> or, or was this out of uh you know uh curiosity like i i'm just i'm because i i grew up uh very much uh in a cult system uh, i graduated okay. from a super conservative christian high school uh, that was, you know, very much like I had to sign purity contracts, um, Whoa. like really, really weird shit. Uh, <laughs> where was this? And this way it was in Downey in Downey, California. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So are they like this? Wow. So are they, do you still have to hide from them? Uh, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Facebook friends with a lot of them still, but I don't, I don't, I don't talk to any of my, uh, I talk to one friend from high school still, um, and, you know, will occasionally like a post or something, but I don't like, there was a high school reunion recently and I just, I didn't know how to go there. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know what to do and I, I, yeah. I didn't know what, you know, we would even talk about. So was this um, just kind of, just kind of like a straight orange county american christian cult very like, much so super okay. yeah super duper uh joel you know, uh yeah 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 very much very much joel okay. osteen you know joyce meyer uh greg laurie harvest crusade uh yeah you know, was, a, it, was it americana upbringing was it apocalyptic or more like prosperity gospel type apocalyptic for sure Whoa, okay. uh the end time the end times are coming probably in our lifetime uh get ready for it you need to you need to prepare for kingdom living you need to prepare to be uh you know chosen and set apart from the people who are going to come for you when the tribulation happens uh and don't accept the mark of the beast because it's coming uh you know all that stuff uh <laughs> and it took me don't a long it. time to to sort of de um well, yeah, it, it just uh, detox from all of it you know yeah, um yeah and there was a there was a, a, the the arc is sort of so i was here i was devout for a while i was even training to be a, a college youth pastor uh and I, and I <laughs> you do you do kind of have college youth faster vibes that's funny. That's you're so clean cut. I, I knew there was some. It's like, wow, why is he so smiley and clean you're cut? Like either, <laughs> either he's a serial killer or he's an agent. It's just like what? <laughs> right, right, yeah. And now you know. I was. Uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a recovering born again Christian. Right. <laughs>
so it was yeah, it was really uh, it was really interesting uh, to come out of that. Uh, and and oddly enough, Clive is the one that sort of helped me uh, understand um, looking at things through a different prism. Do you um, want to talk about a uh, Clive Barker? I mean, you've you brought him up a few times. I wasn't going to bring him up if you didn't want to, and we don't. No, have to, I mean, I'm I'm happy to talk about uh, to talk about Clive. It's uh, just it, to it, it, just to put some context on that. On it's that a comment. fascinating chapter. Um, so I'm uh, I met Clive, you know, uh, I think 2007, 2008, um, and I started working with him uh, as an intern, and uh, from and it, it became it started as a mentorship. You know, I introduced myself. Uh, and we hit it off and he invited me to do a mentorship with him. And it was like a dream come true. And during that time, I learned like more about myself and I think the world and spirituality and, and, uh, and being a writer in, in, in those first six months that I did, you know, in, I think I was like 27 at the time in the first 27 years of my life. And, uh, it was just blew the doors off my brain. Um, but being such a good mark for cults, he sucked me right into his cult. Ah, I see. Yes, <laughs> yes. And uh, and it's it's just this. It's like this motif I keep returning to of like finding the charismatic leader, falling for it, and then you know, uh, and then just getting burned again. Um, which is why now I just hide in this room and put books out because uh, yeah. then I can be the charismatic leader that fucks people. That's my goal. That was the long con. That <laughs> you just wanted to be the boss. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I didn't, you know, I didn't I didn't want people to uh, to tell me what to do anymore. I didn't um <laughs> Basically, that's it. There are so I mean there are so many and, and but the the Clive chapter is so storied and fascinating um and and very traumatic as well. Uh Why why tra- why why traumatic? Um he <sighs> I mean, I, it's, it's, don't, and this don't is get why, me, don't get me sued for libel by the way, but outside no, no, of that, no. and, yeah, yeah. and that's why, that's why I'm, <laughs> that's why I'm choosing my words. Okay. It's also why, you know, I did a nervous system reset before the podcast is I, I try to leave ego at the door when, uh, when I do these things, um, you know, the, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with the podcast hangover, you know, you, you, you close the laptop and you're just like, fuck, why did I say any of those things I said. Oh, 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 I see. Yeah, yeah. What did yeah. I do? Yeah, that no, that always happens, but then it goes away. I think everyone right. feels that, but then you just kind of calm down about it. Because it's just like, yeah. like, yeah, like you'll have images flash through your mind. It's just like, I'm going to get canceled. I'm going to get canceled. <laughs> oh, gee, what did I say? <laughs> Somebody's going to take it like this, and then they're going to say that, and they're going to this, that. Um, oh, Lord help Yeah, me. no, yeah. it's, it's, that's like normal. It's like stage fright. It's the same thing, I think. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, and as we've established, I don't, I don't do well with social media. Um, but it, it was, um, I mean, he was, you know, he was great and he was perfect for that time in my life, um, until he wasn't. And I don't know when to move on. I'm not good with confrontation and I don't know when to call it a day and say, this has run its course. Maybe we should do something else. Um, and I think I stayed uh, longer than I should have, um, up, up, up on the hill, up on the house on haunted hill, because, um, I mean, it was, it, I, I think at the end of the day, uh, I was just staying for the stories, uh, you know, after a while, because well, now, now um, you're, now you're going to have to share some stories now that you said that. I mean, they were like, first of all, the place was haunted as shit. 
Like that's one, that's one aspect of it. And, uh, and, and stuff up there would mess with people in a big way. Um, I mean, there was one time and I've told this story on like 10 podcasts now, uh, but it never gets old is there was one time I was, uh, I was the, I was the, I was holding down the fort. He went, uh, abroad to, for some, I think he was at Sitges, um, uh, for a film festival and he was like the guest of honor. And I'd stayed back at the office, uh, to, uh, which was, you know, three houses that he had, uh, purchased in Beverly Hills, uh, side by side by side that he put a wall around. Uh, and one house was the office house and one house stored paintings and the middle house was the house he lived in, um, which was subsiding, uh, it completely, completely, uh, unrelated, but we would say, you know, it was the devil coming. It was old scratch coming to reclaim him after the deal they'd made. That was that was the inside joke. <laughs> uh, <so laughs> okay, I see you shaking your head. Is that is that is that a bridge too far? No, 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 not at all. But wait, what what did he say was old scratch? That we would say. I would like the. Oh, you would the say that. Okay, yeah, okay, the okay. Employees I see that. Okay. there would say it was old scratch reclaiming the house, you know, because they because he and he, and, he had made a deal with. I see. I see. Uh, So, uh, they're, they're in Spain and Clive had this table that was like the sons of anarchy table. It was like 30 feet long. It was, you know, it was like a table from game of Thrones, um, that he wrote on, that he drew on, he did everything on this table. Uh, and it weighed like 5,000 pounds, couldn't move it. Uh, and so he had, he, he, uh, and it just like paint and blood and like any substance you could imagine was on this table. And so, wait, so, it. so no one, when no one was using this for him, but him. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And it was like a That's banquet right. table. It was, yeah, it was like a, it was the, <laughs> yes. All to himself. Wow. Okay. All, All right. to himself. Yeah. Very good. Uh, a lot of real estate. And, and so, <laughs> Uh, and it was always just covered, you know, in shit and manuscripts and, and illustrations and, and DVDs and televisions. And um, so he he needed to have it resurfaced because it was just like the, the it was like it looked like an impasto painting at this point. Right. Uh, just paint this thick was on it and he couldn't write on it anymore. He couldn't draw on it because there was just so much gunk. So he had um, some like foreman come in and sand it down and resurfaced the entire table. And uh, the table was so big that, you know, um, I went in to check on how the job was going and uh, they had sanded it and the entire room was covered in sawdust. And, you know, they had the plastic drapes up and stuff to protect some of the things. Uh, and he had, and all over the, all over the room were touch lamps. Uh, and, you know, every, every corner of the room was another touch lamp. Cause he would, you know, he would be walking through the room and he had to take this on and, 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 and moving through the tables in this vast landscape, uh, of touch lamps. And I walk in and I'm like, wow, look at this, look at this banquet table. It's gorgeous. It's like flat. It's I've never seen everything's covered in like two inches of sawdust. And in the corner of my eye, uh, one of the touch lamps goes on. And I'm like, ah, faulty old, faulty lighting in these, you know, old uh, Beverly Hills mansions. And I walk over and there are two fingerprint depressions in the sawdust. (laughs) Okay. Like, oh, okie dokie. 
but I mean, stuff like that happened all the time. Drawers would open. Um, we had a guy that uh, was staying the night there once when some of the paintings were in boxes. They had just come back from like a Century Guild exhibition. Uh, and he said um, a figure uh, came into the room. He thought it was one of Clive's boyfriends uh, because it was this sort of tall, slender figure with a bald head uh, in the shadow. And when he turned the light on, it was a tall, slender figure uh, with a bald head with, that had uh, its facial features were, were swimming around on its face. Uh, oh. and, that, and in that very room uh, in which that man was sleeping was that exact painting. Uh, of a tall, slender, bald man with facial features swimming around on his face. So stuff like that would happen constantly. Uh, <laughs> so what do you, are you, uh, I mean, you mentioned your upbringing, but are you a metaphysically inclined person or what did you make of that? Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I bought it. I totally like the, the energy up there was weird. I saw like at least three people go like, if not either, you know, completely uh, like it, in need for a 5150 uh, to full blown schizophrenic just Whoa. from, you know, from uh, spending too much time up there. Uh, it was it, it was it's a it's a it's an unfriendly place. Uh, it's really uh, the energy up there. Uh, and it, I mean, it's I'm not. And, and this is part of why I wanted to sort of get into this stuff with you is because. OK you might be able to answer some of these questions. Like there are things I've intuited that I didn't know were things like I, uh, I only recently discovered that I found out I was doing um, uh, trauma release exercise uh, work. And it was just something I, I kind of uh, wormed my way into on accident because I got into a car accident um, and, and, and started doing this thing and through researching found out I was doing, you know, TRE. Uh, but I, you know, I'm sure there are things up there on that hill that, uh, I could describe to you and you'd be like, oh yeah, you know, that's, uh, that's the such and such phenomena. We know <laughs> we're, we're quite familiar or yeah. Or that's one of Paymon's lackeys, you know, I don't know what, uh, <laughs> well, what was your, uh, what, what was your question? I mean, um, well, I just, uh, I just wanted to get it, uh, at least onto the subject because, uh, okay. I thought you might have some interesting things, but they're, um, what we're. According to legend, uh, someone gave him a portal, uh, which was an opening to a creative force. And he was not supposed to open the portal, but he opened the portal. They, let, they, they gave him a portal, but it was in a sealed box, and it was supposed to help him harness creative energy. And according to mythology, he opened that portal, and uh, ever since then, nothing has been the same. Isn't this uh, just the plot to Hellraiser? Uh, which is weird because a lot of his books, uh, a, a lot of the plots and characters in his books are things that he ended up doing. There's a character in the damnation game. Who's a rich, uh, old guy who lives in seclusion in his decaying mansion. And, oh yeah, that's right. And, Forgot about and that, that you know, and because he made a deal with the devil long ago to have, you know, uh, lots of riches. Uh, so that's that's there uh there's a guy in hellraiser who you know went in search of such pleasures that he sort of tore a hole into his soul an argument could be made there's a book um about a guy who uh, uh, uh an, an you know a celebrity who uh lives off of cold water canyon uh and um and 
uh, unleashed a portal because of a large canvas uh, in his basement that commingled with ghosts and created this uh, these weird, you know, uh, ghosts animal hybrids in the in in the uh, on the grounds uh, of this haunted mansion. Uh, and it, and the whole book is about, you know, like celebrities getting in, involved in like crazy sex magic and, uh, and, and unleashing things that they weren't ready for. Um, it's really interesting. Uh, you know, if you look at his work and, and examine, uh, the parallels in life, um, and what's, I think what's really fascinating is the energy up there is very, very charming at first. It is very seductive. And it will it will lure you in with its promise of um, uh, you know inspiration, uh, which it which it gives you in uh, in droves. Um, but there is a toll. Uh, there is a there is a price to be paid for uh, yeah. <laughs> for accessing that energy. Yeah, I, I I really liked it when I visited. I think I visited <laughs> a couple there. times. Yeah, it was it's really nice. Absolutely but... there. But, but I, the longer yeah, I mean, you stay, the darker it gets. But yeah, like I didn't, I don't have any sense of wanting or needing anything of that type, and so it's just kind of right. like, well, I mean, would you, and I'm just like, I don't want to talk to the entity. Like I got enough <laughs> shit on my plate as it is. I don't need more <laughs> entities. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but so it's so, what is this? Somebody gave him a box with a portal in it. Like, yeah. what, what is in real world terms? What does that mean? I don't know that means they, they, where, they, where did you hear the, this where did you, you this, said like this is the L- lore says i cannot like, what, reveal my story was this on reddit i mean like where no is this no from? no this is from within from you know within with uh in the inner circle uh oh really that, yeah people that have a history there told me that uh that you know uh they were there when it was when it was gifted to him wait uh, so so who so what is this and who gave it to him I don't know. I don't know who gave it to him, uh, but it was it was uh, a, a a someone steeped in magic that gave him this object that was supposed to serve, uh, you know, as a useful tool. But it was uh, misused uh, and and can and cannot be put back in the box. OK, OK. Uh, and I've heard and I've you know, I've heard it described. Clive himself has told me, you know, he when he that. Now he's sort of, um, I don't know how much he's creating these days, but he has described it as a feeling of, you know, something has him by the scruff of the neck and is forcing him to create. Like it, it, at, at this yeah. juncture, it is, it is beyond his, you know, sort of uh, desire to create things. It is, it's just compulsory. Yeah. I don't see why not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, but uh, the question is, well, what's your question about it specifically? Um, I don't have a question about that because uh, I, I I think the Clive tangent was uh, I don't remember how we got on it. Uh, I was I was telling you Clive. Get? I mentioned him, and then um, and then you said, "Should we talk about Clive?" But I yeah. don't remember what we were talking about before that. Do you? I don't either. It's just like how how did you live in a place like that? Like how. I don't know, man. I mean, even if he's famous, I mean, it's like, come on. That's like Sunset Boulevard, but worse. It is. Way worse. And and you know what's wild is one time I was, um, people kept telling me, it's like you're in Sunset Boulevard and I had never seen it. So, uh, so one day I had the day off, uh, and I just like, I got to finally watch Sunset Boulevard and see what all this is about. 
And as I'm watching it, I'm watching it on my phone. As I'm watching it, I start getting texts from him that are like, you fucked everything up. And it was just it was like, no, how is this happening simultaneously? Wow. It was wild. Major confirmation. Yeah, yeah, it really. <laughs> yeah, Sunset Boulevard, that's like obligatory viewing. Everyone who moves to LA, particularly if they're, well, specifically if they're moving there to get into Hollywood, needs to yeah. see that movie upon upon entry. Yeah. Because I know a lot of people, I know a lot of people who've ended up in situations like that, you know, yeah, they get yeah. wrapped up in either, some... either as the Norma Desmond or working with Norma Desmond. Yeah. Like it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's one of those just truisms. Uh, I mean, that's, I think that's why that movie holds up uh, the way it does. Yeah. Because it's just based on such a psychological truth. Yeah. Uh, there's that, so many that, people who, I mean, I, I guess particularly for young people, it's so easy to get starry eyed. About yeah. someone who's like, there's such a power imbalance, and oh my god, yeah, you know, like, yeah. they're like a huge, they're a star. Now I'm going to be a star by you know That's interacting where we with were. them. You, yeah. you nailed it. We were at yeah. that 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 sort of uh, that that imbalance of power, uh, the charismatic leader, and how and how I got sucked into that. And Clyde okay. did he did share a lot of stuff that really changed my life, um, and and set me on a path. Um, that I thought was, you know, going to turn out differently, but, um, I'm not sure if it was the, uh, if it was the energy up there or, you know, what part of it there's that, there's that, um, Neil Brennan, uh, standup comedian has this line in his newest special, which is all about mental illness and, you know, betrayal and all this crazy stuff. Uh, and he has this amazing line where uh he he talks about um you know being uh, watching watching a relationship dissolve and and not being certain uh if the last you know however however many years or months you spent with that person was real or a grift uh and and that is that's terrifying like that yeah. that's one of the yeah. scariest yeah. experiences for me and that and looking back yeah. i'm not that's i can't real. answer the question that's real yeah yeah yeah, that's and a, I just sort of I fall for that again and again. That's kind of my Achilles heel. Uh, so that's the main reason I stay inside. <laughs> I see. I think we, we may share that in common. I have some of that going on too. For oh yeah, sure. wow. yeah. Um, Sucks, man. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Yeah, I know, I know. But so, so the question was because uh, I was giving you context uh, yeah. for my curiosity about your spiritual upbringing. Because mine, mine okay. is very rooted in you know uh, in just hardcore cult mentality. Well, uh, uh, so interesting. So I didn't grow up religious at all. I mean, I grew up in San Diego, and my family was nominally Christian. We went to church like maybe like half a dozen times growing up, if that. And um, but you know, like if questions were asked, it was Christian. Uh, you know, the Bible was around the house, but it was, it was more, it wasn't really a thing. It was just, it was just there. Um, and so, uh, I don't know, like my upbringing was basically like snarky ass liberal humanist. <laughs> <laughs> right. Typical. I, I'm California. sure, I'm sure you can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> I would have never guessed. I, yes. So, um, but, uh, so all this stuff was like a science experiment for me. 
Okay. Like I, I actually grew up hating this stuff. Like I thought, like I would go to the bookstore and look at all these cheesy ass new age paperbacks and just be like, "Oh, these imbeciles! How can you take this seriously? Oh my god, <laughs> the quality right. of public education has really fallen off." And I was like fourteen. Um, right. Of course, because you knew everything. <laughs> right, well, I did. It's I did. Yeah, just don't don't grow up. Don't age past fourteen, and you'll be fine. Right. You um, always know everything. <laughs> exactly. It's, I'm, I'm certain that some people have told that joke before. But, uh, yeah. I've never heard it. It's great. Yeah. Well, if you were 14, you would have heard it, as you would know everything. I um, did. I remember knowing everything. <laughs> it's so almost confident. as good. Uh, but, yeah, this stuff was a science experiment for me. I just wanted to uh, test it out. And, um, you know, it's a long, complicated story, but... Uh, and you know, this stuff is all over, uh, you know, dark fantasy literature, horror literature. It's like, you can't, if yeah. you, if you grow up reading that stuff, you know about it, Yeah. you know, uh, you might know a lot about it. So it's um, particularly for a teenager, it's very tempting to be like, well, what if, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. it turns out, uh, there is a what if, so <laughs> there are quite a few what if, yeah. So that was kind of, um, but then in terms of cults and things like that, like, yeah, I've joined a lot of cults. Um, I've left a lot of cults too. My, my whole thing is, um, pirating, like I'll go in learn everything that I can. And then jet before they give me a, a job, <laughs> never, never accept, right, right. A, never accept a job before the cyanide gets passed around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and I've had lots of mentors and teachers and you know, all of that, but is that what you were asking? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but what was like the first, what was the first thing that sort of sparked and you went, Oh, I think I'm actually, I think I'm going to go this way. The I Ching. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Playing with the I Ching or not playing wow. is the wrong word, but consulting the I Ching was yeah. enough that, uh, uh, it, it was enough that it was just like, what the hell? Like I had to admit that something was up there. Like it was giving me answers that were so specific. It was like, I was talking to a person. Uh, who was, had listened to what I was actually saying. And I'm just no like, what way. the hell? Yeah. And, you know, so, uh, and when you're dealing with the I Ching's the oldest book in the world. So it's, it's kind of hard to write off. Right. <laughs> that old thing. Right. It's, it has withstood the test of time. So I, I recommend the I Ching to everyone. I mean, it's, it's a, it's free online. You can get the Wilhelm, wow. the Wilhelm translation is the best Wilhelm, Richard Wilhelm I Ching translation. You can easily get it used. You can get it free online. Amazing. Uh, it's worth, worth spending some time with. Yeah. And cause we've never, uh, you know, we've, we've, uh, we've, our conversations have been rife with snark. Um, but yes. then also uh, getting into fringe stuff, um, like, uh psychic tv and uh and you know order of the werewolf and all that all that fun stuff that we bonded <laughs> yeah. over um but we never talked about you know the the sort of the um the the lighter side of things uh and in that conversation with jessa you you mentioned you know taoism and and um and and these other things that completely surprised me uh okay. and i have i have only recently discovered uh the way and it has been revolutionary it's what, been what, what do you mean? What do you mean? Um, I so after I, I think all I mean, I'm not sure. It, it, I guess it's a it's a it's an uh, accumulation of traumas um, that sort of led me to uh, I've always been an investigator. I've always been interested in and part of that. You know, Clive was a big um, uh, aspect of that where I was 
people don't generally move from being a college youth pastor to working for Clive Barker. It's not a standard trajectory. And now you will be a college youth pastor in hell. <laughs> See, this, this just writes itself, man. Yeah. It's a terrifying story. Yeah. Same resume, uh, same ability, same skills, same background, yeah, same, new, same new employer, there. new employer. Same, same literature even, you know, <laughs> Uh, but the, so, and he, and he, you know, told me a lot about, uh, uh, esoteric stuff and, and magic with a K, uh, and, and even got me into Gnosticism, which, uh, which kept me going for a while. Uh, and, but then I, I, when I left and I started the company, I was just sort of left to my own devices and, uh, and had to start figuring stuff out of myself and working through the traumas of that experience. Um, and I think something wanted me to move a little faster and, uh, and like two years ago, I think it was 2021, just like everything started falling apart. My body was falling apart. I was bedridden. I was in, um, casts. I was in like two full arm casts. I had to sleep in every night. I lost the use of my hands. I got into a car accident. I sprained my, um, my elbow, my wrist, my shoulder, everything couldn't work. Um, I was diagnosed with Meniere's disease. What is uh, that? It, it's, it's a, it's a pesky incurable ailment, um, that, that leads to drop attacks, nausea, um, insanely loud, uh, screeching in, in one or both ears. Mine was exclusively in the right ear. Feels like your ear is constantly filled with like cement or something that you can't dig out. Oh. Um, and like, there's a jet engine going off in my head, oh. like 24 seven. That's awesome. Um, a crazy dizziness, like you can't even get out of bed or you're, you'll just throw up all over the place. That was my 2021. Uh, and I like it just like my grandma died. I got food poisoning. Uh, everything that my, uh, the, the company got um, canceled uh, by Amazon through some glitch. What? Uh, like there was some glitch in the system that, oh uh, they, they, and they, and like the AI flagged something as being, um, you know, uh, some problem and without warning, they just shut everything down, pulled all the books and there was like no way to get in touch with anybody. Anything that could go wrong in 2021 went wrong. And, and it just led to me and, and my, and my wife, whom, whom you've met, uh, Steph, she was listening to some podcast, something somewhere. And, uh, and she just said, Oh, I, uh, I, it sounded like you might be able to, this might help you. And it was, uh, James Nestor's, uh, breath. And I, and I, I, I downloaded the audiobook cause I couldn't read cause I would throw up. And, um, it, I listened to the, the whole thing in a day. And, and from that moment, everything changed and what is i'm not familiar with that book what, what is it that? is uh the, the, it's the, basically the theory uh it, i mean and, and it's this the whole school of um like once you once you go there it leads you to wim hof it leads you to you know ice baths and kundalini and pranayama uh and the the, the thesis the overall thesis of the book is that we're doing it wrong uh, these bodies come with uh, an instruction manual that we have forgotten to read, uh, and we're and and the biggest problem that we're uh, that with human bodies at this juncture is we're breathing through our mouths too much. We need to keep our mouths closed. We need to breathe through our noses. 
and uh, and basically only inhale through the mouth when we're specifically doing it for uh, pranayama breathwork exercise. And uh, and I and I just I was like, I'll fucking try anything at this point. I was I was dead. I couldn't move. I couldn't read. I couldn't work. Um, and I, so I just taped my mouth shut. And for like two weeks, uh, I didn't breathe through my mouth for the first time in my whole life. And from that, like I, everything got better and everything continues to get better. The Meniere's has, I have not had a drop attack since, uh, the sprain is gone. The, it, there was like a, a, a tear in my thumb. That's the last bit, the last remnant of like anything that, uh, from, from those years of, of, you know, being trapped in the bed is just this tiny little pinch nerve right here that I'm still working on, but everything else, uh, has completely healed wow. itself. Wow. And, uh, and, and there were side effects. And that was one of the videos I was listening to is, you know, does meditation have side effects because a, a big part of it is meditation. And I've never been good at meditation, but this is the first time that meditation actually started to work for me. Uh, because it's meditation with uh, specific breath, uh, either holds, which is when you have a lung full of air, or a retention, which is when you have a, a lung devoid of air. And when you sit in those positions with either the retention or the uh, or the you know the breath hold, things will start to come to you. And uh, and because of all of the traumas and the accidents and and nearly dying. Oh, and uh, because of the Meniere's, they gave they didn't know what it was, and they gave me uh, an overdose of prednisone, and I almost uh, lost consciousness Ooh. and fell down my stairs and died. And it was a whole thing. It was this Yo. great ongoing problem, and uh, and I started doing the breath work uh, as as the book was was uh, laying out, and I started seeing things. Um, uh, so my meditation had side effects, and I started seeing you know uh, an eye. Uh, and I start, and the, and the eye would change into the world. And, uh, and then at one point, um, I saw like, uh, my face completely melt away and become a blank slate, then turn into a Cro-Magnon man face. Uh, and it was, it was a complete accidental third eye opening that I was not planning for. Uh, but, but I'm now experiencing, uh, on, you know, on a regular basis. and. Wow. Uh, and 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 that's one of the reasons why I was like I was so excited to do this is because I didn't know that um, any of that was part of your uh, your world. You and didn't. We no, we had never talked about any of <laughs> what that. What the hell? <laughs> that's that's surprising. The fact that you okay. reached out to me at this point in time, just completely randomly, and you were like, "Mark, do my podcast." And, uh, and and I finally, you know, uh, got the chance to catch up on it, and I was like, "Holy shit!" I have to do this podcast. Wow. The timing so you, on this is too weird. So it sounds like you had a spontaneous, um, well, not spontaneous since you were doing breath work, uh, but Kundalini experience. An unexpected Kundalini experience. Yep. We could say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, well, I mean, there you, that's, that's how it goes usually. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, and, and, and one of the things that really stuck with me that Jessa said was when she came out of, she was in that, um, not that I've overdosed on meth um, or, you know, been visited by uh, by aliens or anything like that. But when I came out of uh, that sort of spontaneous uh, surprise third eye opening, it was so everything was so clear to me in a way that it had never been before. And the first thing I thought was, I can't wait to tell people. 
every everyone's gonna everyone's gonna understand. <laughs> uh-huh. And when she said that, I just started laughing because I came out of that and I was so excited and jazzed to just start telling people, you know, what what was really happening behind the curtain. Uh, and you know, and I just met with resounding silence. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> it was amazing. So, you know, I finally had, uh, I finally had someone else, um, to, to talk about these things with. It's just been me here with the books, you know, going, there's weird stuff going on. I swear it. I swear it, everybody. Well, the main thing is that's totally normal. Oh, Okay. i talk to students all the time who experience this all the time and often it only takes a little bit of spiritual practice but what's probably what you may find is it doesn't come back again for ever (laughs) or for years usually those experiences are like the proverbial first ones always free or beginner's luck experiences when you get into this stuff yeah First taste is free. <laughs> it was fascinating. I just, uh, I was, uh, I mean, what's, uh, I fully expected that to happen. I fully expected the first taste to never come again. It's been pretty regular. Uh, okay. Since since that happened, uh, I, I can access it pretty easily now. And, uh, and, uh, and most of the time it's through the breath work, but sometimes I don't need to be doing the breath work to get there. Um, but I mean, like I've I've been to some interesting places recently. Uh, I have I have been in the stars, uh, just free floating in space. Um, I've been on a on a beach, uh, meditating. You know, somewhere very far away, very long ago. And these, really these, are, vision, these are visions you're having while while uh, with eyes closed. Yes. Okay. Really cool. interesting stuff, man. That uh, yeah. that I was that I was you know I didn't know was there. I had no idea. So what do you make of this? Um, it does feel like a like um like there's an ocean. Uh, the the drop of water that falls into the you know into the body uh into the lake whatever it is into the the the, the uh, collective lake um feels like feels like a pretty accurate metaphor. Um, but it, you know, we've never, we've never been apart. Like, that's the thing it was, it was my entire life. I've been terrified of death. And when I came out of that initial activation, it was gone. It was, I had like the, you know, the LSD experience where you come down from climbing a tree and all of a sudden you're, you're, you know, you believe in Christ for the first time. Like it was it, it was a, it was a, it was, there was before and, and after, uh, and nothing's been the same since then. Uh, and you know, they, they say it, it, it's all that, all that stuff. Like when the student is ready, the master will appear, uh, you know, when you, when you, um, when you get out of the way, when you follow the Tao, you know, um, and make yourself open to it, things start to happen. Uh, all of that stuff is just, it happens. It's really as fruity as it sounds, like you know, as, as cliche as it sounds, uh, and, and and like that fourteen-year-old, you know, mocking the the the, the books on magic uh, at the bookstore that you were like, it, instantly I was the uh, I was I was the you know this the reticent uh, open to it, but you know, having uh, nothing's really you know proven itself to me uh, instantly to. 
oh, I get it. We've always been here. Hmm. That's, uh, that's quite a shift. It was a, it was a huge shift. Uh, what's your take on soul families? <laughs> that was a complete subject change after all of that. Shall I respond to everything that you said first? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, that's wonderful. That's great. Yeah, that's great. That's um, completely normal. Very healthy. Okay. Um, good, good. Do you have a meditation practice? Um, it, it's the pranayama. I haven't, um, okay. I haven't discovered any, um, any, like, I don't, I don't, I don't the, you know, the, any, any sort of chakra work I do is, is just based on like specifically seeking something out. Um, and I think a big part of it, cause I realized that, you know, because it was the ear was fucked up and the, the right shoulder was fucked up and the right thumb was fucked up and my entire right side was completely shutting down. And I think that was, um, that was an aspect of, you know, uh, a, a very closed chakra. Uh, okay. and, um, uh, I think my feminine side was very unhealthy. Um, and I, I, and I'm, I'm now getting into, uh, if, I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with it, there might be a different word for it, but the root chakra, um, there's a, there's a, an extra, I refer to it as the butthole or fart chakra. Sure. (laughs) As it, it, uh, you know, the, the technical term, the fart chakra, uh, (laughs) is, uh, it, it needs work. I think that's, that's where, um, that's where I'm, um, I need the most sort of attention at this, at this juncture. So I'm working on Dantian breathing, which is uh, lower belly breathing uh, to open that up. Um, so it's been, it's been an interesting journey, but I am, I'm, I'm very uh, interested in doing more, uh, you know, classic meditation. Um, but I don't, um, I don't, I don't, I don't know where to start. And I'm just sort of following the, 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 the breadcrumbs as um as they come to me at this point that's great yeah i mean this is a this is a very universal experience uh why it happens when it happens total mystery to everyone complete mystery nobody knows um the people will have all these will say all these things about like well it is the karma of your previous lives practice ripening um but uh, i mean who knows right but it happens <laughs> um and uh in general the proper response is number one don't get too excited uh-huh. <laughs> do not go founding new religions <laughs> right 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 <laughs> uh, do not think that anything that you are seeing is is objectively real yeah um you're just interacting with your mind in a new way right um and and develop a daily meditation routine yeah and i i don't like, you know, I used to get into these these conversations about like this style versus that style. Uh, I don't think that's too, particularly not for beginners, it's not too important to worry about. Uh, it's just the discipline. And so Buddhist styles are good. They're often more body oriented. Hindu styles are good. Those can be more, like you say, chakra oriented. Uh, even just meditating on the third eye is very good. Um, there's even Christian styles, but you you being, I, I imagine you might want to avoid that one. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, not closed off to the idea, you know. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm not well, go, uh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to teach at any uh, youth colleges. I'm not going to. Well, this brings up an interesting point, actually, which is that um, you know, don't don't discount your spiritual upbringing because you know that's still energy that is sitting there waiting to be used. Right. To, to use that metaphor for it. Yeah. You know. So, and it's a language that you have 
that is embedded and imprinted um, on you at a from an extremely young age. So, um, so that's powerful uh, imagery for you, I'd imagine. So, Very much so. but um, yeah, yeah. I've, I mean, I've it's sort a good of done thing. away with demonizing events of the past. Uh, okay. You know, it's because uh, it, it's not. It doesn't serve anything. Uh, there's. There's, there's no, you know, there's no growth there. There's no healthiness in, in, in dwelling on it. You said something fascinating, which was um, on one, I, I don't remember what episode it was, but it was the way, um, the way your focus shifts. Uh, like uh, you used to want different things and now sort of, you know, your primary driving force is like, gee, it'd really be nice if, um, if I could just get one more second between you know, uh, and uh, a stimulus coming in and my reaction time. Like that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that yeah. was so resonant for me because, yeah, exactly. it, uh, you know, all the wiring of past trauma and all that stuff will just, you know, come out in ways yep. uh, that are completely unreasonable. And well, yeah. I think that tra- trauma, uh, sorry, what were you saying? No, that's just been my, that's been my main focus right now is, is trying to find that extra millisecond between, uh, stimulus and react and reactivity. That's great. The reactive yeah, mind no, no. is a, uh, is a big one is uh, the reactive is, mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you see, he was right about that. He wasn't all he wrong. Was right about that. Um, yeah, just met meditation, meditation. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're, you know, LA, you have access to literally everything you could possibly want. Right. There's um, even an Aisha Institute out here. There you go. So, um, yeah, develop a, develop a, I mean, <laughs> gratuitous self plug. I teach all of this, including pranayama, uh, on at magic.me. It's the mastering meditation course. And I think it's the best course available on the topic anywhere, but that's a shameless self plug. So that is available, <laughs> but, but I'm glad um, we could do a shameless self plug. That's yes. why we're here. But you'd certainly don't need to take that. Uh, I'm saying this to the audience, just uh, people interested in meditation. You certainly don't need to take that course. There's free, there's, 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 I even have free videos on meditation on my YouTube. Yeah. So you can check that stuff out. There's one with, with cat in it even. Um, uh, yeah, that one is worth checking out. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's exciting. I mean, that's a, that's a, did you expect something like that to ever happen? No. Absolutely not. I didn't even know it was possible. And so do you have any thoughts on what it is or why it happened? I, I don't. I have no. I, I, I mean, like, you know, loose theories and ter- something you said about, you know, your uh, past karma finally um, coming back to you. Um, work I'd put in. I don't know. I, uh, I genuinely... Everything is just sort of uh, a, a thesis at this point, with no real, no, no, no actual conclusions. Very much like you know the the Manson book. Just I've got a lot of ideas. I've got a lot of threads that I'm just sort of you know tugging at, going where where, where does this go? What could this be? You should um, you should definitely take the Charles Manson route and use your new <laughs> powers, your newfound powers, to start a cult of impressionable young people. I mean, I've been involved in, you know, enough myself that I think I could, I could do a pretty good job running a cult. Yeah, there you go. Um, we did some great work today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. Um, yeah, covered some interesting ground there. Well, I guess we've been talking for two hours, two hours, 20 minutes. I didn't realize. Even got a twist ending out of it. Damn. Damn. Well, um, what advice anything, do you have? Is there anything we didn't get to? Is there anything you want to ask? What advice? Halloween-y what advice? Enough. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, 
Well, okay, no, this I, this is actually a serious question. I actually do have to ask you this. Um, how involved in esoteric stuff is Clive Barker actually? Because, uh, you know, there's there's stuff in his books. The Great and Secret Show is obviously about real magic. Um, you know, and from talking to people like Peter Atkins, the question is kind of like, well, how much of the, the occult stuff in Clive Barker stuff was him? How much is it, how much of it is stuff that he picked up from Peter and Jeff from Coyle? Um, right. What's the deal there? Um, I mean, he considers himself a magician. Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah, he is. He's 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 said that uh, to me. I've heard him say it in interviews. Um, he's done and sex magic is you know the big one for him. Uh, so there is <laughs> there is a lot of uh, fluids you know that that will get spilled during his uh, his his rites. Um, and, uh, I mean, even, even in photo shoots, I've seen things like, um, people hung upside down, uh, from crosses, uh, pentagrams laid out and, and then, you know, they're cut and spun and they bleed, uh, out onto the pentagram. Um, so he's, uh, he is, he is there invoking things, um, what those things are, what the, what the, the specific rights are that he's done or, you know, still does. I don't know. He never, he never got that deep with me, but he has a lot of, um, he has a lot of books on magic. Uh, what, what's the publisher? Llewellyn. Llewellyn. Um, yeah, he has, yeah. I'd say that, you know, every third book on his shelf is a Llewellyn book. Whoa. Um, yeah. Uh, and you, That's I mean, nuts. I think, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? It, they, like, he's got a lot of those books. In I'm mostly series. disturbed specific, specifically that it's Llewellyn books for some reason. Like, what? <laughs> I don't know why. Is he why doing, those? like, Sil why Silver those? Raven Wolf? Is it, is, funny, it because, right? is it because teenagers like those books? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Very possible. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the, uh, he, he never got into that with me. Um, you know, why specifically those, but he would, you know, he would, he would pull a lot of them off the shelf and share them with me. Um, and what, I, what, I know what did he tell you about it? Um, he never got into any specifics. Like I, I like the biggest thing, the biggest shift he was responsible for in my life was um, uh, opening my eyes to the idea of of Christ as eternal um, in you know in in the sort of Gnostic viewpoint. Um, how how did was, you feel? How did you feel in in that moment where you left a Christian cult to work for Clive Barker, the devil himself, and he's telling you to believe in Gnostic Jesus? Like, did you feel like you couldn't escape? <laughs> what a question! What a question, man. No one's ever put it to me that way. That's I mean, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it was just hanging there. I mean, I don't know. It was just like, just, just magical fruit. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, at the, you know, you're going, looking back, it's crazy. Look, you know, like you look back at that um, with some, with as much um, objectivity as you can. And it sounds insane. In the moment, I was so distraught. Like I had gone through an enormous crisis of faith. Uh, I had a complete nervous breakdown at that point, uh, and he entered and, and he entered my life at that at that time. And so it was it was very helpful for me to understand that there was more to it than this very literal interpretation. And um, there, I've. I, 
it's it's a really scary thing to and i i understand why you know uh if you're a born again christian you don't want to hear you don't want to hear outside ideas because it's terrifying yeah. and uh as someone who believed in it wholesale uh it literally in, uh, as opposed to metaphorically uh which is I, I, ironic now to me because the metaphor is so much more beautiful than the literal you know than taking everything literally and it lives it has so much more life to it it's it's so much more uh just abundant um that i i was in such a bad place that him coming coming up and sh- and uh and enlightening me to this other aspect of looking at something was so life-giving um i remember i was i was with Steph, we weren't married yet, uh, and she she had fallen asleep. We were in we were staying at a friend's house, and she had fallen asleep. Um, and I was just in. Clive had given me this book called the the um, the Gnostic Jesus, I think, um, and changed my life. And I, I just I couldn't put it down. And uh, and I got to this certain point where it suddenly made sense to me that it was more of a living metaphor. Uh, that, you know, as, as, uh, as Jessa said, you know, you understand at a certain point that we're all Christ. And, uh, and that was so real to me and so life affirming that, you know, it, that now, just because I didn't believe in this literal thing anymore, didn't mean that that was the end of, uh, of everything. You know, it was like, when you suddenly think that any sort of spirituality is bullcrap, and uh and all you have is this like what is there left to live for um and suddenly i was giving i was given more oxygen and i remember i i literally broke down and i started crying hardcore and i just went to where steph was sleeping and i just like hugged her until i uh, crying until i fell asleep uh and it was like one of the most beautiful moments uh that i'd ever had uh at that time and steph like ended up buying the book for me and it's it's now it's this book that like has bonded us because at that time i didn't know what i wanted to do with my life i didn't know if i even wanted to marry her anymore uh we'd been together for like 12 years or something at that point and i was like we we were talking about breaking up because i was in such a bad headspace uh, and it's saved us. Uh, and now, you know, we're married. We've been married for over a decade. I, we have a, a crazy seven-year-old daughter downstairs. <laughs> she just got home from school. I can hear her caterwauling. Uh, it was beautiful. It was, um, the, it, the, the scariest part was that initial sort of, you know, the safety net has been removed. Everything I thought was real is gone, and I don't know even what to think anymore. And that was sort of the first thing that pointed me in any direction whatsoever, and it was fantastic. It was like a breath of fresh air, mm. like oxygen for the first time, you know, after being deprived of it for, for months and months. Did you talk to him about these experiences? Absolutely, yeah. He's, he gave me the book because I, I was sharing the experiences with him of, of having lost faith and, uh, and being terrified and not knowing what to make of it. And what if, what if I'm wrong? What if Jesus is judging me for, for leaving the church and all this stuff? Uh, and the way that he spoke about it, and he, he also calls himself Christian, which is also fascinating and blew yeah, my I've mind. I've noticed that. I've noticed that. Yeah. I remember uh, back in the 90s, 
he used to be on Loveline all the time. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember this? And so, like, I would I would always hear him on Loveline, and uh, he he did. I remember. I I still remember him mentioning that. I was like, what the fuck? But yeah, (laughs) right. And you're like, how can you reconcile the two? Uh, so it suddenly made sense to me, like in that, in that metaphorical sense, I, I, I could finally look beyond that sort of rigid, you know, definition of what it means to be a, uh, a Christian. Uh, and it opened up a whole new world to me. And so what was the, what was the definition, the new definition that you adopted? The new definition that I adopted is that, uh, we, we, uh, we can all be Christ that we all, you know, uh, that the, the, the story of dying and being resurrected is a, is a personal story. Uh, and that, you know, um, the, the, the flame as it were, the spark is eternal. Um, and you don't have to worry about, you don't have to cling to ego as much because, Hmm. um, you know, it is not the end all be all. Well, you seem much more relaxed, so that's good. Thank you. Uh, I feel much more relaxed. I, I, I feel like I was pretty, uh, I was, I was, I was pretty tense back then. I was, uh, but a lot of it, you didn't seem tense. I, I in, inside it was apocalyptic. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, it, it was a constant apocalypse because the, uh, I mean, I, a I, I felt like I had so much to prove, and and b it was it was uh, as wonderful as it was. It was equally abusive, and um, and that abuse drove me to, to like basically desperation. Like I was so desperate to make a project happen to 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 put my name on things, uh, to be a creative person. Uh, and I, and I never knew when the ride was going to end, uh, and, and when the ride was going to turn because, uh, it was very much like, um, like, you know, there were, there, there was always a monster, uh, laying in wait. Uh, you, you, you would be having the time of your life there, you know, watching movies and, and, and hearing Hellraiser stories. And it was, it was like paradise. And then the next moment there would be a radical mood swing, uh, and shift yeah. in energy and it would be, you know, an, a nightmarish hell. Uh, yeah, and you but, never I mean, knew when that moment was coming. I mean, it sounds like having an alcoholic parent or, or a drug well, yeah. parent. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. That sounds yeah. not fun. For sure. Very much. Um, Wow. Your story is so interesting, though. I mean, for lots of reasons, but I was just thinking as as you were telling it, um, how thematic it is to so many people. Um, there, there's a couple major themes in American spiritual life, I think. One of them is dealing with e- evangelical Christianity and mm-hmm. often growing up in evangelical Christianity. That's not something that people in most other countries have to deal with. Um, right, right. Certainly they don't. I mean, yes, in Latin America, yes, in Africa, yes, in South Korea but um and lots of other places but most other most other cultures in traveling around um have their own indigenous tradition yeah and that includes even places like england yeah um and so it's just kind of there and they don't have the same they don't they might have religious people but they don't have the fucking nut job evangelicals like we do like right. nobody, make, nobody <laughs> makes them like us like and this is where they dumped the people that they couldn't we're they the didn't best want in it. the world yeah well this is where they dumped the worst of <laughs> the worst in the world because they couldn't deal with them and then we're their right. their descendants um so what was the question <laughs> you said the the story the oh the, yeah the your story, story is spiritual so, your story is so interesting because um <laughs> like that theme of 
dealing with the evangelicals is it, it just has to be reckoned with and yeah. like the english don't have to deal with that europeans don't have to deal with it but americans do and one example of that is like the the temple of Sa or the satanic temple mm -hmm. right where it's like being into the occult in the u.s immediately takes on political dimensions that it just doesn't right. in other places here yeah. it's a battle stance against the evangelicals and it right. has been since the, since at least the 80s um and and that panic, that panic, war is baby. yep and that war is heating up again so um but also kind of like the workplace like uh employer versus versus employee uh, dynamic is right. on a lot of people's young people's minds these days so just pointing that out i mean there's a lot of like tensions there that people are i, th I think a lot of people are, are wrestling with there's a there's a lot of tension out there right now uh, I think your channel is doing wonderful things to assuage those tensions. I was trying to tell if that was sarcastic or not. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was dead serious. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very nice. That's great. Steph, well, Steph, uh, you know, Steph and I have been together um, over half our lives now, and she still can't tell when I'm being sarcastic. So, so you well, don't stand a chance. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I think we covered some good territory there, huh? I think so. Yeah. Two and All a half right. hours. It's pretty good. Yeah. Run. That's probably bookmark it for now. But uh, this was, <laughs> this was great. More people can listen. Yeah. This was, this was great though. I really enjoyed, uh, enjoyed that you came on. Oh, tell but, people, um, uh, tell plug, plug, shameless plug, please. Shameless plug and Cyclopocalypse publications. Follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, buy our books. Uh, Hellraiser, the toll man, Borg, the novelization tech by Vincenzo Natale. We got books. We got a new uh, Richard Elfman book coming out, the sh the Schlamazel of Sublime, which is like the fearless vampire killers meets Woody Allen's love and death, uh, which is a fantastic combination I never thought would exist. Um, it's we're we're having fun. We uh, we got scary books. We got uh, books about scary things, uh, and we got some kids' books too. You know, it's not all it's not all terror. Now your plug. It's it's your turn. Uh, yes. Well, my plug will, will come after this. <laughs> what, um, what do you, what would you tell people to watch this Halloween season? Oh, to watch, you know what we should do sometime? Um, fuck. I almost, now that you mentioned that, I guess we don't have time to do it for this year, but, uh, we can, it doesn't have to be Halloween, but, um, I was doing an episode format where I was watching a movie with like, like we would do like, I think we did eyes wide shut. We did the dark mm -hmm. night or like mm -hmm. me and a guest would watch a movie and then kind of just like analyze and, and kind of pick it apart cool. as a podcast. We should do that. That would be good. One, that I, one horror movie that I saw recently that, um, or rewatched recently that I hadn't seen in a long time, uh, is the howling. What time, when's the last time you saw the howling? Hey, I represent the, that whole library. We, you do. We, 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 the howling. Well, is what do you know? What the do you howling, know? The howling is based on a, on a, on a series of books. Uh, that dude, Gary Brandner, we, 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 uh, we, his whole library was out of print and we, uh, we do the, we do the paperbacks. We do the audiobooks. Oh, that's uh, amazing. I love the howling, man. The howling, the howling is great. Is I rewatched it. I loved it when I was a teenager because there's boobs in it. But uh, <laughs> rewatching it, rewatching it as an adult, uh, it is the most hilarious satire of New Agers 
yeah uh, outside it's of fantastic. woody allen's sleeper which which is funnier and everyone should watch that but but everyone the howling is an, is an amazing uh an amazing uh, uh send-up of like california kind of like bougie therapy encounter my encounter friend group uh, therapy types. amanda she's a production designer she um we because it, it was when uh with werewolf which we did you know the cross-country uh screenings of before uh every every uh, screening uh it was uh the howling it was we we screened the howling in every uh, every draft house theater across the nation and then oh, he nice. went and signed werewolf books um and my friend amanda was going to go to one with me but my car broke down so couldn't go uh, but her uh, her review of the howling is, I think, the greatest uh, one line description ever. It's it's uh, it's network with werewolves. It is <laughs> it is such a great sat- satire. The perfect word. That's and hilarious. It's such a phenomenal satire uh, of that of that culture uh, with werewolves. It's great. Yeah. I recently, yeah, I really, really enjoyed rewatching that. I also re- recently rewatched the original thing from another world, the Howard, Howard Ooh, Hawks one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That was excellent. That was excellent. Um, it's a fantastic choice. Yeah. We should tell everyone to go out and, and watch Hereditary. That's... <laughs> Man, fuck that movie. <laughs> fuck that movie. Seriously. Did you see Midsommar? No, that's the I didn't one. see that either. That's the same guy, right? Same guy. So yeah, I, I, I saw Bo is Afraid, but Midsommar didn't seem to be about mommy issues, so I wasn't interested. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, whenever I thought about you at Clive Barker's house, I would always think about Mommy Dearest. Right. Makes and sense. him being like, Christina, the floor's yeah. not clean. You call this clean? <laughs> and just like attacking you with wire hangers. Yeah. Uh, Joan Crawford and Norma Desmond. You know, those were those were my two touchstones uh, up, up there uh, on the hill. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, uh, until next time. talking with you. This was a, this was a treat. All right. Hope you really, really enjoyed that. I definitely had a lot of fun in that conversation. Meet us at magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E, my school for magic meditation, and mysticism, where you can learn all the skills you need to unleash your true self. I will see you in class, and until next time, hang in there.